Hello? Hey, what's up, Mark? Can you hear me? Yeah, what's up, Alex? Hey, not much. How have you been? How's it going, man? Good. Enjoying my morning here. Just had some uh, coffee and toast, so I'm good to go. Oh, cool. Yeah. Yeah. Good morning, by the way. <laughs> good morning. Good. Uh, good night for you. Yeah. I'm uh, drinking my beer instead of dinner. <laughs> Hell yeah. What kind of beer you usually go for? Right now, I have a. Uh, it's a pilsner called. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Carlsberg. It's Carlsberg. Okay. Never tried it like a belgian maybe i don't know it's pretty good but um nice yeah do you feel the earthquake last night no not at all my uh girlfriend texted me at like midnight and was like oh (laughs) jishin and uh yeah i don't know i guess there was like a a magnitude three okay not no but did she say if it was like from osaka or like from like yeah. Wakayama. She's in Yao. So ah. would have been close, but Dang. I don't know. Where are you living about now? Are you still in uh like Namba area? I, I think ah. so. Now I'm in the um uh Morinomia area. So I'm basically right by the castle. Okay, sweet. That's actually a really cool area to live. Holy cow. Definitely, yeah. Really uh healthy too, because you see all these people just running around the neighborhoods and like. I kind of want to get on that. Let's do it. Yeah. Yeah. Another friend had mentioned that too. Like she'd go running around there a lot. It's like a health, health area. <laughs> yeah. Did you ever go to uh, Nagai Park? Yes. Oh yeah. Yeah. That one is also just fantastic for motivation. Yeah. You know what's funny about that? It, like, have you seen the Denny's across the street? I uh, know. From there, there's like a Denny's uh, on that road where the station oh, is yeah right right i've been in there and it's a denny's <laughs> it's so <Yeah>. funny <laughs> wait so last time i went to japanese denny's was maybe 15 years ago when i did homestay okay. and okay. i remember being thoroughly disappointed like i didn't see yeah. on their menu the grand slammer like anything oh, really? staples how was okay. it when you went what did i get uh it was like it was a little more it felt a little more upscale than like a an American Denny's. Okay. <laughs> but besides that, I don't know. I, I think they had like just like typical Denny's things. Like not everything was the same, but okay, they still have burgers and stuff. Possibly. I know there so there wasn't like a any kind of Japanese type food in there. Like McDonald's will cater to the Japanese market. Right. The Denny's like, this is an American diner. <laughs> nice. Okay. Maybe they got their stuff together. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah there's a Denny's maybe around where I live. So I oh, can yeah? check it out. It's funny. Like, you don't think of Denny's in Japan. Yeah. They don't go together. But <laughs> yeah. So how, you, how have you been, man? Yeah. Uh, just recently, you know, we caught up a little bit, told you I started uh, learning some music production, some, you know, basic Python and uh, Unity C Sharp, but That's I'm awesome, still dude. like noob tier. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I think I've probably mentioned this before, but um, I'm into like game dev as a hobby for the audience right. that might not know, but <laughs> <laughs> um, 
Yeah, I remember like like we had met up about it, and I pitched this game to you a long time ago. Yeah, and like I had, you know, very little skills back then. My laptop was so bad for working. Oh man, in, in Unity, which is what I use uh, for for the game development. Right. And, um, I thought my game crashed and like got corrupted. Like at a oh, certain no. point, I couldn't. Um, I was downloading um, like add-on files or packages for it, mm-hmm. and it like it broke the save file that I had. So I didn't do any version control. Oh. And I couldn't go back essentially. But I think what may have happened is because there's different rendering engines within Unity. I think some of the packages switched the rendering engine on me. Oh, dude! I, I didn't know to update it. So like that game could still be on my laptop just oh, needing nice. to be like updated, but like I just didn't know at the time, right? <laughs> like there's so much in uh, game dev. Yeah. That uh it's like you don't know what you don't know. And especially coming from a consumer standpoint, like you just see a game, you're like, sixty dollars, I don't wanna pay that mm. for a three hour game. But then you go into the dev aspect and you're like, God dang, like so many things you have to implement just even the timing of music cues is insane yeah yeah and really that. like you know 60 dollars for a game that you play for like a lot of games nowadays are like 100 hour play experiences or like 20 hours like you're not gonna Absolutely. get that out of a movie you know definitely so uh, yeah, speaking of movies like japan you know the blu-rays were like 50 60 bucks just for hmm. one movie that's insane oh, wow yeah or like, have you been to like a CD hmm. shop here? Oh uh, yeah. Was it the one? It was like a bookstore. Uh, uh it's Daya. Yeah, yeah. And you'd see like the singles, just a single album for like an up and coming artist, and mm-hmm. just like one, maybe two tracks on it, two thousand yen. Wow. Twenty bucks. Yeah, yeah. Craziness. Damn, people are spending don't money. Get there. It. <laughs> how is that expensive makes no sense to me like sony owns the blu-ray right like sony's in japan why are blu-rays 60 bucks what what's going on yeah yeah that's a domestic market there that's weird but in america it's not how much is like a blu-ray in america i don't even know i mean at target you can get like a new released movie for like 15 bucks when i was working you know, mm. in the industry okay and, yeah you, know, you can get them as low as like two two bucks you know yeah, because I kind of skipped that whole era and went right to Netflix. Nice. As a consumer, as like a, a younger millennial, but <laughs> I mean, it saves money. Yeah, I, I remember like my dad had this huge uh, DVD Blu-ray collection and it took up like an entire wall. Oh, yeah. In our house. <laughs> like he had to build a cabinet for it. and It was like, all right, we have all this on Netflix. And there's no space requirement. And like yeah. the discs don't get lost and get scratched up. Or... <laughs> I used to be kind of like your dad. I used to be a collector, like just yeah. something about having the collection on the wall, just like being able to see it. Yeah. It, it's satisfying. But yeah. also yeah. after moving to my tiny apartment here, uh, same thing. I'm like, yeah, I don't have space for this stuff. And I just need it on one drive or something. That I think shaped my consumer habits too a lot. You know, that was my first time moving out was going to Japan and oh, nice. having a really tiny apartment. And I'm like, I can't hold all this stuff. I need to 
like yeah. a Kindle or a uh, yeah. Netflix, you know? So that said though, like you'll see people with collections over there and it's like very well organized and in the, those yeah. uh, cubbies and everything. But I, I like that. I think that looks really cool. I like yeah. the figure collectors. They'll have the, yeah, like you said, the cubbies and they'll always yeah. like polish the glass and stuff to make it looks, you know, perfectly clean and everything. Yeah. I'm confused on like, how do they keep, how do they recycle their, their collection or like, do they add on to it or. I think they just add on to it. And then yeah. maybe the, like the hardcore ones, they go to conventions and like trade. I remember okay. one of my buddies in the States, he was also big on figures and there'd be like an anime convention hmm. and there'd be like this room where people would get together and like just trade figures. That's cool, man. Yeah. It's kind of like the trading cards, but with figures. Yeah. Yeah. I was never into that as a kid. Mm. Uh, how about like i remember gundam was kind of big i was never but, into figures but yeah. you remember like Yu-Gi-Oh? yeah yeah i remember playing the cards and oh, just yeah. like something about the <laughs> the shiny cards you know there's like oh man yeah. i got a holographic so cool, cool artwork <laughs> like some cool creatures on there i was really into Yu-Gi-Oh too hmm but I was a huge like anime fan. So yeah, I would watch the anime for Yu-Gi-Oh! And okay. then I'd be like, oh yeah, I gotta get my blue eyes wide dragon. Let's get oh, that yeah, dark man. magician. And then I would like in my like uh Buddhist, I'm Buddhist, so in my Buddhist hmm. group, we would go to like the Buddhist church or community center, whatever you want to call it. Yeah. And like I was one of the older kids, so like I would always be like playing with these kids, maybe four or five years younger than me. <laughs> and of course like these kids just like the the coolness factor of the cards but i actually went out of my way to learn the game yeah so i feel yeah. bad but i was kind of a dick like i wanted the cards so i'd play them and be like hey whoever wins gets this card <laughs> <laughs> i just collect a bunch of cards you bastard <laughs> yeah I'm, I'm i was I, yeah karma you ever, hey yeah <laughs> were you ever into uh pokemon cards uh I was still really young at the time, so okay. I only liked Pokemon as a kid because all the other kids were like, you got to learn the yeah. Pokemon. You got to know what gotta Pikachu catch them is. Got to catch them all, yeah. <laughs> that Pokerap was something. Oh, yeah, dude. Uh, I was hooked. They they know how to sell the kids. <laughs> mm. Did you ever go to, like, the McDonald's or Burger King when they would have their Pokemon promotions and you could get, like, the Pokeballs with the gold cards inside? I do remember those. I actually found my collection at my parents house nice. like the other day and saw the burger king cards <laughs> and they're like i kept those too <laughs> nice but like is there anything worth selling on ebay here <laughs> no right but, like um that's, yeah my parents actually went to collect all of those burger king cards yeah thinking that oh in the future this is going to be worth something mm. and they very well might be yeah, my buddy's dad was into that too, like Burger King toy collecting. Nice. I don't know why. It must have been a weird, another hobby back then. I don't know. Mm. Do they still do that at McDonald's and Burger King? Have like uh, Happy Meals and stuff? For Japan, I think they have like really, really tiny toys for the, the kids set or whatever. I'm not sure okay. about America. I would assume so. Yeah, I guess so. It's just been a while since I've been in there. I was in a I moved back in uh, June of 2020, back to the States. Okay. And I think I've been to McDonald's once since then. I used to go like every week. Good on you. Yes. 
Have you noticed that I haven't been to American McDonald's in quite a bit. Uh, have you, did you notice like any differences? Oh yeah. It's the difference is still there. Okay. You get the smushed bun, (laughs) grizzly patty. It doesn't look as good. The really oily fries, the floppy fry. Yeah. Yeah. For anyone that doesn't know, like the, the McDonald's in Japan is just another tier of like goodness, I guess. It's very, very good. I like how they try to pass off McDonald's as like a very classy. Yeah. But like casual, like affordable, classy. Yeah, they rebranded it. A lot of the students, they're like, oh, yeah, I can't wait to experience McDonald's in America. It's going to be so tight. I'm like, yeah, good luck with that, buddy. (laughs) You didn't tell them? You didn't warn them? I just told them, "Um, keep an open mind. Yeah. Their ice cream machine is always broken. Uh, all hours of the day <laughs> this is the frosty machine yeah yeah they've got like their own anime for like an like advertisements they what right, well not not an anime show but like you know the ads where it'll show their employees uh, yeah. the, for the japanese mcdonald's and they're like yeah serving up people really cool and everything and like the recruitment flyers Everyone yeah. looks so happy and just like super uh, put together and everything. Come join McDonald's. It might be like a dark corporate, like, <laughs> I don't know, advertising tactic. Yeah. I don't know. It, it looks cool. It's like, oh, they take pride in their in McDonald's here. Hmm. That was my impression of it anyway. I don't know. Can I, mean, I ask every- you? Oh, I'm yeah. sorry. No, no, go for it. I wanted to, I wanted to ask how long have you actually lived in uh, Japan? Like since the last time you moved? there um so i've moved to japan in june 2016 so this is gonna be Mm. my sixth year now okay sweet why uh what what made you move and and where where are you from everybody or can you tell everybody where you're from by the way yeah i'm from uh seattle washington and uh i yeah i'm half japanese so part of me wanted to move to japan to kind of get to know my roots a little bit more um in high school i tried learning Japanese in like at school and Mm. I got, you know, some proficiency, but I never felt like I could still understand my grandma and grandpa. Mm. And I was like, okay, I need to somehow improve. But like just watching anime wasn't good enough. Right. So it's like, all right, let's start over. Uh, I didn't feel my life was really going anywhere in the States. Like I was working Mm. at a, uh, what was it? for UW physicians and basically doing office work for inpatient outpatient uh, registration. All right. And it was, it was easy, but it wasn't fulfilling. So I felt Mm. like I needed some excitement. So I was like, all right, let's just move countries, start over, get to know the language, be able to understand my grandparents and see where it goes from there. Yeah. I feel like I've heard that story a lot with different people that I've met already, which is, it seems common. Like, you fall in the category of people that you maybe were set up, correct me if I'm wrong, like you were set up where you were, but you wanted a change, I guess. Yeah. I don't know about set up, but you know, yeah. I made, made okay, okay money. Yeah, sure. I mean, there's a really big variety of people that, and like why they move from what I've seen. Mm. Part of my reason for this podcast is to kind of like talk about, people's reasons why they wanted to go overseas Mm. figure it out now you've already started to notice a trend it's cool i mean there's different trends 
it's it's been funny being back here and listening to people's questions though like when i tell them that I, i've lived in japan for three some years but yeah what's the most surprising answer you've gotten um, well the most the most common question i get what do you mean by the way oh uh answer? like when you, i guess when you interview someone uh mm. you said you notice a lot of trends what would you say is the mm. most like outlandish answer you've gotten i don't know how many episodes you've listened to but you're the second person to oh, be okay. interviewed. <laughs> the second uh, unique person to be interviewed on the podcast. fair enough fair enough but so i guess what i mean is more like people i've met like when i was over there ah co-workers and like oh why did you come over why did you come over you know right um yeah so I find that interesting that people will give up their lives to to go move overseas, but um, mm-hmm. you kind of had a connection to it, like it was part of your heritage too, right? Right. I feel like that's a little more rare. But I think so. Did your I, grandparents? Uh, I'm sorry. To, I'm not good for it. Uh, yeah. They live hmm. in uh, Tokyo right now. Okay. Yeah, yeah, I wanted to ask. So, like, did your whole family come over to the states, or were they still back there when you were in high school? Uh, so my mom, she moved to um, Oregon. No, no, she moved to California hmm. uh, maybe 35, 36 years ago. Okay. And eventually moved up to Washington and met my dad. And, you know, the story oh. goes from there. But my yeah, yeah. my grandparents, they stayed. Okay. Yeah. And I'm kind of doing the reverse of what my mom did. Left home, just like went on the other yeah. side of the world. Yeah. Now, does your mom, does she live in, you said she lives in Japan as well? Oh, now she lives, she still lives in Seattle. Okay, okay. I thought you had said that a long time ago, but I wasn't, I wasn't sure on your like complete story there. So. Ah, okay. Yeah, no problem. But you got your grandparents in in Tokyo then. Yeah, uh, we just saw them. Oh, so unfortunately my grandpa, he passed away a few years back, but Mm. we uh, checked out my grandma just during winter vacation. It was really nice. Okay. Awesome, man. Yeah. yeah. Always good to see grandma. And, you know, thankfully my Japanese is improved. So now I actually understand her. Yeah. Um, I feel like your situation is unique having your heritage and visiting your home country, like from America. I feel like that's something that a lot of Americans want to do, mm-hmm. but maybe never get to, but how did you feel yeah. like going back and kind of experiencing your, your ancestors heritage? For me, I guess I've already been visited Japan enough times already to where Mm. my first day, like moving to Japan, I was like, all right, I already know what to do. I got to get a lay of the land. I got to figure out what's around me. But like, it didn't really hit me that I was living in Japan until probably after training for ECC. Okay. And um, yeah, I was commuting on the train and just like going to work in my suit and I'm like oh okay <laughs> this is happening yeah yeah and it felt cool but also it made me question like whether it was for me okay you know, especially coming from seattle it's very chill very relaxed mm. and then going from that to just like business suit and tie get your hair done wear the nice pants and shoes and do that every day even in summer yeah like huh yeah it's a i see that being a culture shock but the the professionalism but 
Another thing that changed my perspective is once I left the Aikawa industry and moved mm. to like teaching in public schools, Yeah, it actually kind of reminded me a lot of home in that at the public schools, the teachers, they wear just really casual stuff. A lot of them yeah. just wear track suits or like yep. you know, sweatpants during the summer. A lot of them were wearing straight up basketball shorts and like, you know, workout shirts. And that was like, it blew my mind a bit. I was like, what? That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, I, I got to teach at a private preschool during my last year there from 2019 to 2020. Okay. And, uh, I felt the hominess of it. It was very, very friendly and just fun, (laughs) really fun there, but it was a, it was, like a private preschool. So maybe that had something to do with it. I'm not sure how the public schools are in terms of like atmosphere. Um, you know, for the most part, like it's still a school uh, from my memory of elementary school. It wasn't so different, just like small things like what they do in class or like the curriculum, of course, or okay. things like the Japanese eating the lunch inside the classroom and not mm. having a cafeteria. Yeah. Those yeah. differences aside, like the atmosphere is basically the same. You have a bunch of kids running around and being kids. Yeah. Cool. And you're still doing that. Yeah. Yeah. I'm doing that still. Nice man. Yeah. It's yeah. If anyone is interested in moving to Japan, um, you know, Eikawa is definitely the foot in the door route, but if you can, I highly recommend moving into public school just so you not only get a, you know, regular sleep schedule, yeah, but so you can get less of a like a pressured atmosphere to perform and like mm. sell classes and get more students just to teach and hope the students learn something. Yeah, my other guest that's been on here that kind of started doing this with me, Arthur, he's got very strong opinions about the Akaiwa industry, the English private school industry. <laughs> so, ah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he did it and. uh you know, I've got my opinions too, but mm. it is, it is a good foot in the door. Like anybody that's looked to go into Japan specifically has probably seen things on the internet for Aikawa's. Yeah. But it's a really common way to get a, a work visa and they pay you well. Yeah. You know, but what do they say? Like at the training, like, is this a school or a business? Right. A business. <laughs> so we're trying to make yeah. money. That was such a just a ball buster and mood killer for me. I'm like, yeah. oh, I can't believe you said that. My mindset was always like after a year when I started to get better at teaching, I was like, I don't work for you. You work for me. You let me do what I love to do, which is teach. <laughs> and I, yeah, I could go work anywhere. Basically, like that's what I felt like because in that industry, there's so many options for for work. Oh that if you don't like it, if you don't like, you know, ECC, you can go to name another, you know, Akaiwa. I, I guess a lot of the bigger ones have kind of fallen. <laughs> but Yeah. Uh, th- there's still different types of English school. Mm. Like the private one-to-one. I, I forgot a lot of the companies now. There's the... Was it like Eon, which is kind okay. of the other really big one, but they're a little more like serious compared to ECC. Mm, okay. Uh, there's GABA. Yeah, um, GABA was when I started seeing more and more of. Um, definitely don't go to GABA though. Uh, with Corona, uh, basically mm. 
you'll have situations where like half the staff are just like waiting in the back playing switch because no one booked their lessons, but they still have to be there in case someone does. But if they don't have a lesson, they don't get paid. So that that's the worst. Yeah. You might as well just be a private teacher at that point. Exactly. Yeah. Make more money, but Mm -hmm. yeah. Hmm. We're lucky that in our situation, we got paid regardless of if we had a student in our time slot or not, or some companies, like if you don't have a student, you know, sorry, no money. Yeah. Yeah. Um, we were almost full-time employees. I think the contract I came on was like a 35 hour contract yeah. a week. Um, I'm not sure what you had, but I had the old, I had the good one, the okay. old 30 hour one. Yeah, see, I think I was the first group of people that came in to be offered. Yeah. <laughs> My condolences, man. Hey, I don't know any any difference. So <laughs> but um I think you guys worked less, but it like it wasn't that different in salary, I don't think. I don't know. Yeah, I think actually if you disregard the the bonus that you guys would get, we ended yeah. up making more. Oh, what the fuck? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, the, another problem with with the 35-hour contract is it's not the working hours like that that's fine. It was easy compared to what I was used to, which was like 60-70 hours of like I used to work in an insurance company. Oh, dang. I wouldn't even get paid all the time. It would be like prospecting and shit. <laughs> oh wow so the job was great but the lack of time to do things like yeah. you mentioned your work schedule your sleep cycle right mm-hmm. what, what was that like in the akaiwa industry you know uh in my case um i would generally wake up at like nine okay. and then sometimes 10 i would start work at like three but i would leave mm. the apartment at maybe two so I'd have a good like what 10, 11, 12, 1, 2. So good like five, six hours to just like do whatever I want, chill, play games, maybe go to the gym or something like that. That was pretty mm. cool. And then I would get off at like 9, 9 30 and get home around like 10, 10 30. Yeah. And then go to bed at like one. So like I had plenty of chill time, plenty of time to just like study, do what I wanted to. It was nice. But you know, the the Friday and Saturday transition were you mm. get off work Friday night at 10 and then start at 10 a.m. the next day. That's the rough patch. Yeah. That throws off your entire kind of circadian rhythm almost. Exactly. You're not used to it. So even though seven o'clock waking up at seven isn't so bad now that I'm working in the public school, yeah. it was torture. Oh, yeah. Because you're you're getting out at 10 and then expected to go in at 10 in the morning. So your mm-hmm. sleep is like, you know, you're not going to go to bed as soon as you get home because you have to wind right. down. But exactly. in my case, like I would get home at 11. Oh God. I still have yeah. to like our, our Saturdays were the same. That same. Right. And I think that's pretty typical amongst like uh, all Lake because Saturday is the day when everyone is off, but they can right. go to their English lessons. So that sucks. It's tough to get away from in the Akaiwa industry. And like, I, I hate how HR is like, well, you know, there's, there's a good 12 hours between, so you'll have plenty of time to sleep. And in my head, I'm like, dude, don't, don't, don't give me that. You know, (laughs) I have to shower, you know, I have to eat and let the food digest. So I don't get, you know, mess up my digestive system. Yeah. 
I will say I was pretty fucking terrible at that, man. I would like go out and party <laughs> on Friday night and ah, nice. I don't want to say I would come in hungover on Saturday. But... I, mean... <laughs> I mean, you know, I don't want to not say that either. <laughs> we've um, all ha- we've all had that. Well, had years like that. <laughs> nice. Um. Yeah. So when you switch jobs like that and you you go back to a normal schedule it's pretty mind-blowing how much of an impact that has on your life i think oh yeah i mean just like the the circles under my eyes like uh, my eyes look a million times better uh i've noticed my metabolism's like gotten better too so yeah yeah i'm past 30 and my you know my body's slowing down but like compared to before like as long as i get eight hours of sleep my weight's basically the same yeah. Some people do that their entire career, man. There's still, there's a lot of older folks that have done the Akaiwa. Oh man. But you'll, you'll find it's like, they look like hell. I mean, Hey, they <laughs> <laughs> made it somehow. The human yeah. body is resilient, but you don't want to be beating yourself up like that. Right. I, I value the sleep. I'm with you. I was absolutely. Yeah. I, I was a lot happier going contract and like, making a normal schedule for myself (laughs) yeah i i've noticed you know so much bitterness within the akaiwa community just with people as they get older i Mm. mean realistically thinking um our situation was pretty sweet compared to like a lot of other companies like gaba or eon but even though we had a really sweet situation there's always room for improvement and that's what a lot of the veterans like to latch on to. So, you know, I remember seeing this old uh, YouTube channel, forgot the guy's name, but mm. he would be a vlogger about, you know, life in Japan. But like, okay. he would always just like have something to shit on and he'd always sound yeah. so bitter and mad. And, mm. you know, it turns out he worked at an A Kiowa and stuff and he was one of the veterans. So he knew everything, yeah. of course. But like, just being around those people always bummed me out. And that's sure, another thing sure. that made me kind of question whether I want to stay here or if I want to just, you know, move back or move to another country again. It's interesting. But you were still working in Akaiwa? Yeah. Like, at that time? Okay. You were yeah. feeling that? Yeah. Do you think there's a type of person that shouldn't, like, come into Japan through through Akaiwa then? Absolutely. <clears throat> I think... <clears throat> excuse me. I think hmm. anyone who uh, is looking to um like make a lot of career progress and just like make a lot of money and have a really good quality of life uh that mindset going into akaiwa is totally wrong um Mm. you know when you go to a new country you are starting over not just financially and socially but also you know progress wise career wise so you know, you should keep that in mind. And I think a lot of people are like, oh man, I should be making way more money for all the work that I'm putting in, blah, blah, blah. But you have to remember you're starting from zero, you know, level zero and level a hundred, you know, when you're playing a game are vastly different. You have to make that progress and you, you started from nothing. So, you know, give it time and, you know, develop skills, develop yourself in a bunch of avenues and work your way up, but don't expect a kaiwa to be the final answer for sure it is a job that you can get right out of college too so it's an entry yes. level kind of customer service exactly job, if you know. 
and I hate to use the word privilege, but like, or entitled, but a lot of people just sound so entitled when they mm-hmm. come to Japan. It's like, oh, you know, blah, blah, blah. They should have more English services or they should have this. They should have that. Why am I not making more money? Blah, blah, blah. Yeah. I don't know. I could rant for hours for that. A typical, like a full-time Ikaiwa contract pays, I think the the country's salary average, which is pretty damn good. If you ask me, like you're making an average amount in the country. Definitely. So it's not like you're held back on by money in, in Japan specifically. Yeah. Maybe more your time. I don't know. And actually, if you take into account age, um, we make a lot more money than the average like college Mm. worker or like the average salary man graduating a college and getting a full-time job for their first okay. few years okay so our salary wow. is like actually considered really good for maybe the first five years five to ten years of someone's typical career okay i didn't know and that after promotions mm. and stuff like that then you'll see kind of a bell curve then their salary goes a lot higher but you know sure. that's because they've been working at the same company for like 10 20 30 years so it balances out but they also have different, they presumably change jobs and job types, whereas the teaching role in a Kiowa is just that. Exactly. Like if you're not providing more value somehow, then how, how do you expect to make, you know, infinitely more, more money, money, I guess? Exactly. And that's where the entitled thing comes in. People are thinking, I've been working here for five years. Where's my, you know, fat paycheck? And it's like, it doesn't work like that. How many customers have you brought in? How, how much have you made the company? You know, exactly. And that's a terrible thing to, you know, try and justify or whatever. But you know, that's kind of how value and money works, I guess. Oh yeah. Hey, if that's your attitude and you're what you're beating your head against a wall, wondering why you're not making more, it's like we have to question your method. You know, exactly. if you like it, go for it, man. Yeah. I met a few people that did like it. I felt like a lot of people were negative about it too. Like you said, they would shit on their job. <laughs> like, oh, I'm just another English teacher. I hate my job. I'm like, why are you here then? Exactly. <laughs> You're wasting your, your life. Yeah. You know? Um, I think a lot of people yeah. uh, like move to a different country. Uh, do you know the term moratorium? Um, In terms of in terms of uh, like career please explain (laughs) a moratorium is basically a state where you are unsure of what you want to do and you basically can't make any progress so Hmm. i feel like a lot of kind of people who end up becoming expats are people who are just like yeah i'm not really sure what i want to do yet i don't know what the job is for me so i kind of want some time to you know soul search or you know explore get some experiences so hey let's move to a new country and i was Mm. kind of in the same boat too sure i still didn't really know what my career was going to be so i wanted a job but also a Mm. new experience and that yeah checked all the right boxes yeah yeah i'd say it's good for that um Mm. i basically moved for the same reason i didn't feel like i was going anywhere in buffalo new york and uh i had to leave (laughs) and uh yeah. I wanted to say, have you ever looked at um, JapaneseIndeed.com? Uh, I have, yeah. 
Do you notice anything interesting about like the entry level positions in a typical company? Um, I haven't looked at it in a while, but I remember mm. that a lot of the entry level stuff was like you need N1 or N2 Japanese uh, proficiency. Um, sure. And then the buy description would just be all in Japanese and kanji. And, you know, yeah. I've gotten better, but there's still a lot I don't understand. So I'm like, huh, okay. What about in terms of um, experience needed? Do you remember anything in particular? Uh, not really, no. Because when I was looking a couple years ago, like before I decided to move back to the States, I noticed that I wasn't just looking up um, jobs that I could get with my visa. I was looking up like general all jobs. I was oh, okay. curious. And one common point I noticed was no experience needed. We will train you entry level oh, job. Nice. I mean, we all know, at least in America, what, what the entry level position <laughs> yeah. is five years yeah. experience minimum. <laughs> right. It's like, what the fuck? Yeah. It makes no sense. Yeah. That so, is one thing I like about Jap Japanese uh, working system. Yeah. They a train lot of people. <laughs> yeah. And a lot of companies, have you noticed that you're not, applying for a specific position but you're just applying to enter the company yeah you a lot of younger people start out as a freshman of the company at least that's that's like what the one my one english speaking company or the english teaching company said like you're teaching freshmen of blah 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 company yeah and then they just assign you a role they're like okay you're done with training uh you do this yeah i feel like a lot of americans actually wouldn't like that because it's like the individualism kind of thing. Yeah. <laughs> How dare you label me as a accountant? I want to be the PR guy. Hey, <laughs> you would take it. But yeah. <laughs> no, you're right. I mean, that's weird. I actually didn't know that, that they might assign you, but that I understand that they would ask people to switch roles or switch places that they work. Mm. So that's always shot. That was shocking to me. Like even amongst my students, you're like, oh yeah, I have to go. I'm being transferred to the Tennessee branch for two years. Oh, I'm yeah. like, what the fuck? Yeah. <laughs> Holy shit. You know? Yeah, I'm going to Taiwan for the next five years. Yeah, uh, it's like shocking. Easy. Yeah. <sighs> I like how just easily they say it too. It's like, man, you're going to leave your whole family behind. You're going to live on your own for five years. Are you okay, man? Yeah, it's okay. It's very samurai. Very samurai. <laughs> um, one thing I've noticed, and I don't mean to bring up your race. Oh, no <laughs> No, like I, I've, I think I've heard this in real life and seen a lot of uh, like YouTube videos about this where mm -hmm. it's usually like half Japanese people or um, like full Japanese heritage, but born overseas. And grew up overseas they move back to japan and they're let down or they're disappointed huh. and kind of like the lack of like feeling like they belong there i guess ah huh you feel See, anything I, like that or experience anything like that i mean growing up in the states i always felt like you know i was never really one of the guys because yeah. i wasn't quite white but i wasn't mm. quite asian either like mm. i remember in junior high school 
shit, I said, I remember middle school uh, and, uh, you know, there's the like Asian community okay. and, you know, I liked a lot of the same stuff that Lay liked, you know, games, mm. anime, uh, you know, martial arts and stuff. We clicked in that sense, but I was, they said I was not a true Asian. I was like, what the fuck, fuck are man. you talking about, bro? Like I take off my shoes <laughs> inside. I eat with chopsticks. I speak my mother tongue i speak my you know language here what, what do you mean not true hmm. asian it's like and every time they're like oh you know you're not true asian you're not full i'm like oh, oh fuck geez. you dude and so i never felt like i was accepted you know, as a japanese person but obviously you know my white friends aren't eating like nori or like you know yeah all this japanese stuff most of my friends still wore their shoes in the house so it's like i wasn't quite american either so what am i and when i came to japan uh i just had already accepted the fact that i'm kind of in between yeah but like at that point for me i realized that acceptance isn't about your race and identity isn't just tied to your race yeah it could also be like a career thing it could also be a hobby thing who am i doesn't have to be just my gender or my race. And I think a lot of people get too stuck on that. And like, if you've noticed a lot of Japanese people don't really care about religion and stuff, because for them, identity is more about like, what do I like and what do I want to do? I think that's what they teach in school. Mm. So I may not feel fully accepted in Japan, but I don't care. Like, you know, Mm. people are people. I have friends, I have people I love and care for. And that's all I need. Yeah. Yeah. I appreciate that outlook. Hmm. I, I didn't know what to expect. I'm a fully white man. So going there, it was, um, <laughs> I didn't really think about it, but like what I cared about was like getting drunk with my friends and having nice. fun. Hell yeah. <laughs> and that's what we did. Yeah. Like yeah, just simple things. Yeah. And I, I didn't really hang out with the the coworker community so much. Mm. I like I gravitated toward people I would meet in in bars and whatnot, like more Japanese people. Nice. And I couldn't even I wasn't great at the language, but I feel like not thinking about my skin color helped a lot. Absolutely. Helped me like make friends. Yeah. But I feel like a lot of people do think about their skin color and their their gender and like rightly so like you don't want to right go somewhere stupid i guess where i don't know like i don't have this experience but i've heard from like women in america that they won't go out alone because it's dangerous and i fully uh, understand yeah. that <laughs> so, right. you know there's differences there of course but um yeah i feel like at the end of the day though i mean while it's true like some of you know, they are right in a lot of ways. Ultimately, I feel like you shouldn't let that hold you back. Yeah. So um, like you said, you don't think about it. Uh, I feel like for me, that's kind of, you know, the best way to go about things. So, you know, less stressful, you just do it. And if it works out great, if it doesn't, then all right, that's too bad. You know, try again some other time. Yeah. Yeah. Like there was always, um, and I don't know if you've felt this. You've probably heard about it, though. The the gaijin seat on the train, as it's called. The gaijin seed? seat? Seat. Oh, gaijin seat. Oh, Where, like when people right? just is that what it's called? sitting next to you? 
Yeah, you sit in a <laughs> corner seat on a train or wherever on a train, and the the seats next to you are always empty because you're the foreigner. <laughs> people are afraid, or that's the thought. That's like the the situation nah, that people totally not true. Over. Yeah, I, I feel like I didn't know about that for a long time. I never ever thought about it. Never crossed my yeah. mind. And when I did hear about it, whenever someone wouldn't sit next to me, it would be like, "Oh wait, is this is this what it is? They're just not sitting next to me." Because like, <laughs> so I would think about it, but like, and then if someone else would come and sit next to me, like, so it was just in my head. It was like a stupid, oh, definitely, <laughs> you know. But yeah, it's like, it, is the boogeyman real? Like, is it in your head? I know. Part of my goal is like convince people that. I don't know. They shouldn't focus so much on race. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, I in Japan too, uh, of course there are extremists who are like, Oh, Japanese are superior and stuff, but they don't yeah. represent the majority. That said yeah. in the school, um, they have a program called Dotoku, which is moral education and moral okay. education specifically focuses on trying to cooperate and mm. uh, live in harmony with everyone. And one mm. of the ways they do that is realizing that everyone's different. You know, just because we're both Japanese, for example, doesn't mean we're the same people. You know, you like trains. I like planes. You like red. I like blue. That's okay. And learning to kind of not be so judgmental hmm. and not uh, stigmatize people for being different or having different beliefs. That's kind of a big focus in elementary school and junior high school. Wow. That's a great perspective. Yeah, I never knew that you know not having worked there but yeah i mean really cool i think it's interesting how despite how diverse america is culturally they still consider themselves as a group americans and you know that's just our monkey brains you know group think programmed into us yeah like you know white people black people we're we're all living in america we're all like growing up under a lot of this you know, same cultural environment in school, at least maybe at home, it's different, obviously, because of our yeah, heritage, yeah. but like in school, we're all being exposed to a lot of the same cultural, um, you know, mindsets, uh, values and stuff. So I don't know where I'm going with this, but that was good. Um, <laughs> do you know about like over the past year, they've talked about in American school systems, they've been teaching the critical race theory, I guess. Oh, no. I guess that's, that's been like big in the news. And it's, it's interesting to hear like what they're teaching in Japan and in different countries in general, but I guess that's what's, been a thing where, yeah. What's critical race theory? It's along the lines of, I haven't, I looked it up once. I'm like, what the, what the hell is this? And what I, understand is that it's kind of teaching about oppression and that like certain groups are just oppressive (laughs) and certain groups are victims and that's just the way the world is so if you're a victim or if you're an oppressor based on your skin color okay i mean i'm no expert so there's a lot of validity to it i'm sure you know, the, know. a the lot of people what, are really fucking pissed about it, I guess. <laughs> what what bugs me though is that yeah. like you know, a lot of the like Hispanic groups and the African American groups, you know, get a lot of um uh like coverage 
but like Ooh. nobody ever talks about native americans like yeah. aren't they the most oppressed group just inherently because no one gives a shit about them but yeah. here we are having these groups talking about like representation and people you know being heard but still nobody gives zero fucks about native americans mm. i think that's the true maybe the more the more true situation is that like people just don't give a shit of course and and why yeah. like it, if you're focused on yourself and maybe your own group of people that you identify with you know maybe that takes precedence over caring about others i don't know and i just i don't know there's a lot of hypocrisy in a lot of these uh pro social movements like pro this or whatever social yeah. movements because they talk about like you know equality representation or fairness and stuff yet there's still so much just like neglect going on that yeah. i just can't help but think you know if you really stood for this then what about these guys like the native americans like what mm. i don't know yeah i don't know i i think i have a unique perspective because i went to catholic school my entire life so I, okay. I was never in the public school system but we also like so we kind of learned christian tenants i guess okay christian morals more huh but we also had muslim kids that would go to our school too oh what that's cool and in high school it would turn into like atheists like open atheists would were there but still participating in the like christian education so it was really interesting huh so how does that yeah. work like uh you know obviously you have a muslim kid who yeah is islamic doesn't believe yeah. in like the catholic things so whoa how does that work never thought about it as a kid in uh, grade school right in uh, yeah. like kindergarten to eighth grade um but there are stories on that like so they would practice ramadan but they would also have to um take the uh christian religious classes I remember one of the kids was like, why do I have to take this? I'm not even Christian. <laughs> the te the nun teacher was like, well, it's still part of our, you know, school curriculum. <laughs> you know, we just have to do it. Yeah, but, he's um, got a good point though. Yeah, I know. In, uh, in high school, one of my buddies, Mo, uh, Mohammed, really fucking nice guy. And he, the way he described it was like, at least in his sect of Islam, it's like, or his, his outlook, like our God is the same. We believe, we believe in the same God and we come from the same like Abrahamic tradition. Okay. So, and he was going to a, you know, a, a Christian high school. So it was interesting to me. It was like, Oh, okay. We're like part of the same tradition, but then we learned about kind of like the Western religious history and how, you know, Judaism and Christianity and Islam are linked like that. So I've talked to a lot of Muslims about that too. And we more seem to agree on like the point of just having faith and, and being spiritual in general and not neglecting your spirituality can be important, even like amongst uh, believing in different things. It's still beneficial to have like some sort of uh spirituality we seem to agree on so 
It's also interesting how, like, um, was it, it, you know, about the Dome of the Rock or whatever? Yeah. So, you know, in Jerusalem, there's that rock, but, you know, all these, even though, like you said, all those religions are connected and have similar roots and stuff, they're still divided because they're like, they can't just share that rock. They're all fighting mm. over whose rock it is or whatever. Mm. That is silly to me. Um, one thing I liked about like learning about Jesus was that he shot down dogma where it existed in Judaism. Mm. He was like, you know, you should help your neighbor on the Sabbath day. <laughs> because it's it's stupid if you say, you know, I can't help my neighbor because I'm honoring God, but then your neighbor's house burns down. Right. You know, stoning a stoning a whore is immoral. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Like let let he who is without sin cast the first stone. Uh and I recently listened to a podcast about a Buddhist monk, EQ Sojun. Okay. I don't know if you know about him. He's got a temple in Kyoto. No. But he was like a, I want to say a, a 15th century monk okay. in Kyoto. And he, he taught very similar things to Jesus and did very similar things. Like one of his stories was um, he walks into a, a restaurant in his uh, kind of like street clothes. And they're dirty and all ragged. And he's like, hi, I'm hungry. Can I have some food? And the restaurant owner knows, it goes, no, get out. Huh. You, know, you homeless man, you know, like he wouldn't serve him. <laughs> so he comes back the next day in his monk habit, his, uh, his monk uniform hmm. to the same restaurant. And the owner's like, oh, uh, hello, sensei. Like, you know, let, let us prepare a feast for you. Like, thank you for coming to our shop. Oh and he makes gosh. this big dinner and EQ is, is sitting there and uh, after all the food's out, he goes, oh, I guess this food must be for the clothes. And he leaves his monk habit there and just leaves. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah. And uh, there's, a, a, there's good... a good podcast about that. With uh, It's called History on Fire. History is the, on Fire. the podcast. Okay. It was one of his last episodes before he went onto a paid platform. But Ooh. it's Iku Sojun. Iku. Ikkyou Shoujun. Okay. Ikkyou. Okay. Ikkyou Yeah. S O J U N. Okay. Nice. It's, um, I mean, that's a perfect analogy to how, you know, going back to the different religions having similar roots, we still have that group, you know, in group, out group mindset just because, you know, I, call myself this and you call yourself that we can't see eye to eye but yeah you know, yeah they have similar teachings similar beliefs and i think maybe people get so focused on like the literal aspects of those uh, stories or uh, scriptures mm -hmm. when i remember reading a a book that explained how you know that's kind of the wrong mindset even jordan peterson mm. uh famous uh psychologist talks about this a lot too yeah. is that they're not meant to be taken literally they're just stories written in a understandable way so you can internalize those lessons without yeah. having to 
you know, go through a bunch of philosophical talk, but just told succinctly. So it's like, okay, it's this story. Don't be a dick. Yeah. That's more my mindset too. Like I know people that take it literally. And uh, I don't know, to me, it looks like they, it doesn't like do very good for their mental state. Like they're trying to like rationalize everything and predict everything where to me, it's more of a, how to live your life absolutely lesson that was figured out like a few thousand years ago but like even the story of like in buddhism siddhartha you know this prince who grew up with everything and decides to you know fuck off and go into the woods and do his own thing that's just kind of a story even if it's real i could be could not be regardless it's a story about someone who had everything and realized that all these material possessions didn't really make him happy yeah. So, you know, applying it to our life, you know, you see all these TikTok stars or, you know, Hollywood stars and you see them looking all glamorous and having all this money and everything. Yeah. But if you look at people like Robin Williams, you know, may he rest in peace. You know, he had everything loved by everyone, rich, funny guy, but he still was depressed and ended up taking his own life. So what yeah. is happiness? Yeah. Um have you heard the Notch story? No. The guy that guy that made Minecraft. Oh yes. <laughs> that tragic man. Yeah, I know. Um, I don't know anything recent, but I watched a kind of a mini documentary about him and how Microsoft bought his game for two bill. Yeah. With a B. <laughs> and he moves to Hollywood or to LA and uh, parties all the time. Gets a mansion, party animal. Yeah, but he's he's miserable and then he starts like kind of going down into this dark state and uh they can't have him at Minecon anymore <laughs> yeah like you know? because he said a bunch of like offensive tweets or whatever yeah that's, that's like crazy. money is not going to solve your problems you know mm. and if you get it too quickly exactly not everyone can handle that kind of uh fame or power yeah but one of the things I liked about living in Japan was the number of temples and shrines Yeah, everywhere, like throughout the city. And it's less like a church where you have to go, you have to like pull into the parking lot and go into the building and it feels very guarded. Yeah. It's more like, hey, come on in and pray. It's right on the street. It's an open courtyard. I love how even in neighborhoods they'll have like really tiny mini shrines that you can yeah. just you know, do your thing at too. And just like little pieces of a history just yeah. all over the city. Yeah, 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 for sure. Um, like even besides the historical aspect and that there's like some really crazy, cool hidden shrines and temples mm. scattered. It, it felt good to have that, that reminder, like, hey, take a moment and like, meditate <laughs> yeah you know? it was it reminded me of like how a lot of japanese video games will have like the the save spots or whatever yeah and i wonder if the inspiration came huh. from like the placement of these little tiny shrines and stuff that's cool that's really interesting you bring that especially up, osaka uh, you've <laughs> probably noticed that a lot of the streets are like really just not uniform not like your typical yeah. block format just kind of zigzagging and all over the place yeah. One of my students mentioned how Kyoto is, I guess, a lot more structured 
And that Osaka mm. is unique in that sense where everything's just mm. kind of jumbled together. So a lot of like people take inspiration from that when designing, I guess, levels to not make it so predictable, to just mm. make it more chaotic. Yeah. That, yeah. Kind of interesting. Yeah. There's thought in American design too. That's the same kind of principle I could go into, but <laughs> it's like the, the Olmsted brothers are famous in like urban planning mm. and their tenant was mix it up and make things not uniform to not depress people. Uh. So their public parks are really beautiful. They're, they're curated and structured, but they're very like nature inspired and beautiful. Interesting. Yeah. I and like less, the, less groomed, but. I mean, I think there's a lot of uh, truth in that. And, you know, going back to the whole, you know, being rich thing doesn't make you happy. You yeah. know, we need some chaos in our life to kind of excite things, make things more interesting for us. And that applies in not just like urban planning or finances and stuff, but I think everything. Yeah. Very Zen kind of aspect. Yeah. Yeah. Mix it up, man. I agree. That's what coming to Japan is about or going to it, working in another country, right? Mix it up. <laughs> oh yeah, absolutely. Can I ask you, uh, what kind of, uh, video games were you into as a, as a kid? So I was a big Nintendo kid. So okay. I used to play like, uh, Mario, uh, Zelda. My favorite series is the Zelda series. Mm. Uh, used to be like a huge fanboy. I remember like mm. uh, elementary school, we'd pretend to be like Link and fighting Ganon and be like, yeah, I got the Master Sword. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then I play like Mega Man, Metal Gear series, just all, all the stuff. Sweet. Yeah. 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 I felt left out of the Nintendo scene. I, oh really we only had it at my uh game? yeah but all, later so like when i was a very little kid my dad had a sega genesis oh nice and that was my entry into gaming <laughs> sega big on sonic yeah um we didn't have sonic even oh we didn't what have, like, how do you what we had you uh, genesis of rage. no sonic i know, huh? I know. <laughs> streets, streets of rage, of rage. Yeah. we had uh a Tom and Jerry game. <laughs> okay. Double Dragon. Nice. Like classic. all these like platform fighting games that were big. Yeah, those were fun. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I actually bought the new uh, Streets of Rage 4. Oh, yeah. How is it? Uh, it's fun. It's a fighting, it's a platform fighting game. <laughs> is it but, like still in the same style as the classic ones or is it fully 3D now? Not 3D. They kept it um, like uh, 2D sprites nice for graphics but they're they're updated um like pixel counts and all that okay so but then you can still longer. play as like you can go back and get the old pixelated characters too oh cool it is it's switch interesting like they did mode. yeah do you ever yeah. go to um arcades or game bars uh yeah uh, i went to a couple of namba shinsaibashi oh, yeah? area they had cool game bars there where you could like mm. play the steam machine or like a bunch of the old arcade things and then okay all that's still uh, cool it's still like they're they're open still nintendo didn't shut them down i mean i I don't know about now with corona but Uh, okay um yeah nintendo yeah didn't like do anything because like steam machine it's you know steam so it's not even nintendo based but there's actually a steam like arcadey kind of thing 
So um, basically, uh, Valve released kind of a USB expansion kind of thing that you can connect to your TV that basically wires, wire, bleh, wirelessly uh, projects your computer PC stuff to oh. the PC. But nowadays, we have screen sharing, so we don't even yeah. need the steam machine. But yeah. yeah, okay. Okay. Hmm, interesting. Yeah. Yeah, game bars were really fun. Back yeah, in the day, are. pre pre Corona, I imagine that's not a good place to go if you're yeah. trying not to get sick. Like you're touching oh, controllers and <laughs> just in Japan, uh, Osaka recently, we've been going up again. So like six thousand plus mm-hmm. cases in the last few days. Yeah, the tight with. Um, I remember all the uh, malls were closing down. Yeah, right before I left, but a lot of the bars were still open. Yeah, you know, you still got to get your drink on, but I think yeah. it's now going to be the opposite where they're going to mm. close all the restaurants down. Really? That sucks, man, because yeah. how do they make a living? Yeah. Oh, like, I remember the they were kind of slow on the, the aid, the monetary oh aid, yeah. and people were like, you gave us two free masks? What the fuck? <laughs> right? Yeah, it's the biggest fail of that year, yeah. 2020. I did get a stimulus check from the Japanese government in nice. August after I had left. So it went into my <laughs> bank account. I couldn't access it really. So I'm like, oh, I'm shit. when I go back. But then I huh. missed out on all the American stimulus too. Wait, I wasn't, no way. I, I, wasn't, I uh, still got my stimulus. I didn't file my taxes. <laughs> I didn't either. Really? Yeah, but <laughs> I did a I did a last minute like filing of the taxes or whatever for oh, just that year. Wow! And then yeah, I got I got two stimulus packages. I wonder if I can still because I have to back file now for certain legal things, and I wonder if um they would be so kind as to fork over my money, <laughs> my free money. Not that I care. If I didn't get it, it's like yeah, it was just funny. Like oh. You just got like four thousand dollars in stimulus checks. Sweet. I, mean, I uh, had to loop, move it, countries yeah. and and <laughs> damn it. <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, if it comes, maybe a nice little surprise, I guess. But hell yeah, not whatever. <laughs> but yeah, I've um. Some people have said it's like it's getting bad in Osaka too, but you still see people kind of like going out and about. Oh, yeah. Like, just last night, um, mm-hmm. girlfriend and I, we were at a Yakiniku restaurant, and, you know, we saw people mm. there enjoying themselves, having a good time, but yeah. I think maybe in the next few months, we'll start seeing more shops kind of close oh. down, depending on how the cases go, so. Wow. We'll wow. There was a big difference in how, like, the West, like, Europe, America, and Asia obviously handled everything. Yeah. And I was getting a lot of the Western news at the time in like March and Italy was doing really bad. And France was like, we got to shut down. And I think I stayed in my apartment for like two weeks. And uh, I was like, you know what? Fuck this. Like, I'm going to go out. I need to get outside. (laughs) So I go to, uh, I went to Mukogawa Park. Okay. Really beautiful. If you've never been there, it's worth going it goes right down the mukogawa i'm gonna say it twice the mukogawa river yeah, yeah. <laughs> mukogawa and uh gawa in japanese means river 
but right i'm like there's specifically like very old people just running like jogging having a great time no face masks i'm like what the fuck like people playing baseball yeah i was so shocked that that people were not really worried about it japan and, uh... is very set in its ways <laughs> in that you know statistically speaking or whatever they've looked up or heard on the news they've heard it from some credible resource that mm. you know not having the masks in a big open public space is okay because there's a lot of air yeah. moving about and especially in like winter time it's cold so the corona is probably not going to travel so yeah. everyone's like yeah fuck it let's just enjoy ourselves and go to the park yeah i like that view oh yeah because in america we people didn't know how to do the masks right but everyone wanted to tell other people how to do the masks yeah and it was like it just got really annoying it's still annoying <laughs> but, <laughs> are people still like rallying on the streets be like oh i need a it's my right to breathe that kind of stuff i guess not not anymore that's good but yeah people are people seem more like just tired of it all they're like whatever yeah I mean, more, more Japan, people are wearing them, but also less people are like being masked Nazis and, and going up to people that are trying to like take a bite of their food or like don't have it on outside or something. So that was a, in Japan, like there's a very kind of understanding of how and when to use them. Right. And in America that like no one knows and they just think you're supposed to either have it on all the time or not at all. So it's it was frustrating kind of like witnessing yeah. that moving back. <laughs> now that you mentioned that, it may, reminded me of one reason why I moved to Japan is to kind of get away from that. Like I got to stroke my ego and be like, oh, I'm the right one. You got to do it this way kind of mentality that a lot of Americans have. Yeah. Um, I don't know which episodes you listen to of this podcast, but... Just the first two. Arthur and I will shit on... <laughs> you know our own country quite a bit oh yeah I mean, no no country's perfect yeah like we've gotten pretty dark <laughs> um yeah i'll go down that road i don't know yeah I've tried to be more positive but also can't help it sometimes i mean the negative things stick out more than the positive things you know yeah before- for a reason, evolutionarily speaking, but yeah, it's also kind of funny. Yeah. How how often have you come back to the states uh, yeah. after after moving to Japan? Before Corona, uh, it was every year, but mm, okay, you know, with like I don't want to spend two weeks uh, getting the C- PCR test and then quarantining in the hotel and stuff. Yeah, that's... I don't want to waste my vacation days. <laughs> your whole so vacation, huh? Exactly. So mm. I haven't been since before Corona. Oh, that sucks. Yeah. Um, yeah. I miss weed the most, though. Like, Sorry, I mean, of course, Barbara. I miss my family and friends, but like, <laughs> I miss weed the most. Uh, there's no chance of it being uh, legalized there, huh? I mean, there is. It's just going to take like 50 years. Yeah. I remember in Canada, the day Canada did it, I was in my, my uni 
job in the in the teacher's room and someone was like dude canada just legalized weed what oh, <laughs> shit america's next baby let's go <laughs> yeah it was what year was that 2018 or 19 yeah when they started yeah that was cool i never thought that would fucking happen actually right but uh, <laughs> avalanche but yeah i know good on them but yeah now is it fully legal in america or is it still just certain states uh don't quote me on this i think it's i think it's states and uh, federally okay. they can still come in and get you but they're not really going to do that i guess anymore they got better things to do and they can't now that like they could do it when it was just colorado and then california like they could do it to individual people not everywhere but now that okay. it's mul- multiple multiple states like there's no way that they can afford that nice. it's not a it's not a big deal anymore yeah i can i bought weed online hell yeah what uh gummies, gummies. and what? and uh oil like a a vape oil hell <laughs> yeah <laughs> like, oh, holy shit. you could hell do yeah. this now dude uh yeah maybe you could try to send me some vape oil yeah, it's just cbd <laughs> there's no <laughs> just label the box as maybe. uh like a I cost or some stupid shit. Yeah, the gummies are honestly great. Oh man, yeah, I love sorry, the. Sorry, uh, bro. I love the brownies or the cookies. Oh or, my god! Have you tried the soda? No, didn't know that was a thing. Yep. Oh, the soda is great. It's gonna be a different like, kind of feel, or. I mean, it's just another edible, but you basically get this nice sugary pomegranate drink, and then in okay. you know, forty-five huh. minutes later, you're just flying. Dang. Dude, yeah. I had a I had a cookie. I had an edible for the first time last year. Nice. On a camping trip. Oh shit. Our buddy was like, it's gonna be powerful and uh you're not gonna feel it for like an hour. Good luck. Good luck, boys. <laughs> you know, Godspeed. So we take it and I'm we're kind of like we're drinking, we're out at a camp, and uh I'm telling a story. And then all of a sudden, I'm like, oh, who's that guy again? Oh, what was that place? What was I just talking about? <laughs> My buddy's like, it's, it's coming. This is it. <laughs> we, we all like fucking blow up laughing. <laughs> so Hell funny. yeah. Oh, um, it was different from, from smoking it. That's for sure. I guess the main thing about edibles is because it, like, you don't know when it's going to come. Yeah. It's like, once it's there, it's like, oh, it's fucking it's go time. <laughs> uh, and um, when you would come back on a yearly basis, did you ever notice like in increments the the changes that would happen in your hometown oh, or in the states? The, was something I remember that, uh, the first time I came back to Seattle after you know living in Japan, I went to a shopping mall. Okay, and you know, granted, I did this like super blazed i Mm. had some edibles because like the literally yeah the first thing i did uh was go to a weed shop and just like buy a hundred bucks worth of stuff because i've I've been missing out right so i need to make up for lost time and so i go to the mall and i'm just like whoa what the fuck it's so big i remember going just into a you know old like game shop Hmm. like gamestop yeah and I was like, what the shit? There's so much going, like, I could spend hours in here just, like, hmm. reading all the individual titles. And, like, I, f- I think I freaked some people out because I oh, was God. just, like, 
intently just looking and reading at everything. See, would you and call that weed or reverse culture shock? <laughs> I think it's a mix of both, man. Okay, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I went to like a local supermarket, like a Walmart, and yeah. I was just amazed. I was like, Jesus, holy shit. America's is, huge. Yeah, yeah. I uh, I came back the one year. I think it was my second time back. And I saw a Roomba cutting someone's lawn. It was like a, a yard what? robot. Yeah, I was like, what the fuck? There's robots here now cutting lawns? Nice. Holy shit, no more kid yard jobs, but whatever. Yeah. <laughs> um, I'd only seen that once. I, I didn't see that upon moving back here. So I don't know what that okay. was. But... And the one time, the first time I moved back, I saw the um, thin blue line flag. I remember, I was like, what is that? The cop support flag. Oh, I've never even seen that. Huh. Yeah, it's like an American flag, but it's a different color and there's a blue stripe through it to like huh. support police and e- EMS and firefighters, I guess. So Okay, I'm looking at it now. Interesting. Yeah. It's a little politicized too. So I just like, you know, living in another country, it was kind of nice not dealing with all the politics in the West right. for once. I like that. Yeah, I don't um, like having everything shoved in my face. Yeah, that was no offense to our other coworkers, former coworkers, but that was like a, a big theme I noticed with our Western coworkers was everybody loved to talk about politics all the time oh my God, at man. work. It's <laughs> like, all right, I just well, want to teach we, English. Right, or can we mix up the conversation a bit? Like, I don't want to just talk about like how stupid Trump is or whatever you think, you know? Yeah, it was 2017 when I moved over there so that all that was still kind of uh fresh and being talked about a lot mm. and uh i don't know i i thought you were supposed to like keep your politics to yourself and right be like a polite society <laughs> but i guess i guess people my whole worldview blew up <laughs> maybe people like move to different countries so like oh, okay it's okay to talk about now because we're yeah, outside of the country i always thought it was maybe more like other um like British colony countries like Australia and the UK and Canada maybe are more open about talking about politics. Ah, so I noticed in Canada, they were very open about politics, like out in the city that you would hear political talk. Huh. But in America at the time, it was kind of, you wouldn't really hear political talk out and about. Yeah. So it was weird. I wonder if, um, like, my experience in America, like, my classmates, my generation, I guess, um, we were never really super political. Like, you'd have hmm. a couple people here and there who were really into it, but most of us didn't really care. Yeah. We're just like, yeah, you know, that's cool, I guess. But, hey, did you see the game last week? Yeah, that was more of a thing. Same here. I think it started, like, people started getting into politics in college. And I did too. I, I was into politics in college as well, but it was never like, I never experienced the tribalism in college. It was more like, Oh, that's interesting that you have a different political belief. Ah, I was like, yeah. Oh, cool. It was more like collaborative and like problem solving, which I liked. Mm. One thing I've noticed in college is people like super zone in on their clique or their like mm. group. And I feel like one trap of that is you kind of limit your perspective because you're only hearing, you know, that group's perspective, which 
you know, you got into because it's similar to your own. So it's like hearing echoes in your mind, but you know, our personal perspective is very limited by our experiences. So we need outside input to kind of really grow. Yeah. So I like your approach of just kind of being more open-minded. The echo chamber. Yeah. 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 Um, I think the, the least heated political dialogue I've ever had was with a German guy in a taco bar in Osaka. (laughs) And we were both just like, oh, yeah, if you do it this way, then this happens. It was like very robotic, huh. but I loved it. It was like, oh, wow, someone that didn't get emotional about their politics. Yeah. Just <laughs> like you can, I don't know. I'm more like that, though. I'm like less emotional of a person. So I understand mm. people that maybe get more emotional about things. But yeah, Germans are super chill when it comes to just like they're very factual. I like that. Yeah. Yeah. Did you notice when talking to your Japanese friends too that it was kind of similar, like very just factual, less emotionally kind of triggered or whatever? I don't know if I ever talked to my Japanese friends about politics. Like students sometimes would bring it up with okay. Abe and uh, Trump. Mm, not really Trump even, like more Abe they would talk about. Okay. And some people loved him and some people hated him. Oh, that I would so hear you, at like at ECC, <laughs> yeah, in lessons. <laughs> yeah, um, it wasn't as like as heated, I think, as what I would see my coworkers get into. But would you say it was still coworkers. very emotional, or was it just more like interested, like intrigued, heated? Hmm. That's a good point. I think overall it was more like it was more of a calm demeanor. Okay. I think it's more it's more common to be calm yeah. in public in Japan. Then again, <laughs> exceptions to the rule all the time. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I, I feel like when Japanese people like like slip or burst out, they just go to from zero to a hundred, mm. just like that. Um, did you hear about the the fire in Kyoto? Like some dude just like burned down an animation studio. That was yeah, a while ago, a few years ago, right? Was he an animator or what was his deal again? No, I, I don't think so. I think he was just some old dude who didn't like that company or something. Wow. He, he was not in the company. He was just some dude. Really? Okay. I thought he might have been. They were talking like he might have been a disgruntled employee, perhaps, but then I never, um, I never really, uh, like followed up on it, I guess. Mm. But and then it happened recently in Osaka, didn't it? Um, I don't know about that. No, happened to a it was in the news here, and uh, my girlfriend said she saw it in the news where someone burned down like a, a floor of a mental clinic. Oh shit! And wow. it killed like a few people. Damn. So yeah, like it was some kind of disgruntled person, and uh, yeah, it was not good. There's also cases where like uh, like old this old guy uh, went to an elementary school and like yeah. he brought a knife and he was like intending to like stab a bunch of kids because oh, they're being noisy. What the but fuck? It's, like, 
it's like, dude, kids are noisy. Like, get some headphones, do, man. <laughs> right? It's like, why'd you move to that neighborhood, fucking idiot? Yeah, that's nuts. I mean, that, that might be a layer of like mental health issue that it doesn't get addressed. I mean, I think the like you said, Japanese people are very calm in public. So I think it has to do with kind of the bottling up of emotions. Maybe a lot of people they want to be more emotionally engaged, but because yeah. they're expected to or they think they have to kind of suppress and be calm, that kind of gets to them and you know, do it over a couple of decades, it just bursts out. Yeah. Did you ever when you were a younger man? Did you ever listen to Elliot Hulse or do you know Elliot Hulse? I've heard the name. I uh, can't okay. really. Yeah. Oh, wait, wait, wait. He's the, the lifter guy, right? He was like a workout guy back in the day. like talker. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I remember him. And he used to talk about like going, I don't know if this was a term that he used, but like go eight mode and like on camera, he would kind of like shake his body and like yell and be like ooh, ooh, ooh. <laughs> ah, yeah, and it was like to get out like energy right that's just built mm. up in you yeah and i would do that as like a as a younger kid and i loved nice. it as like a teenager right and a young adult and it felt great to be able to to do that yeah, but i feel like in in like a big city environment it's harder to let loose like that yeah I think uh, at least if you lived in a big city like Japan, uh, Osaka or uh, Tokyo, maybe hiking, that's the best place to do it. Just go on a quick hike. I mean, yeah. in Osaka, just an hour train to Mino or something like that. It's all you need. Yeah. Yeah. I was thinking the karaoke room, but. Oh yeah. That's perfect. <laughs> now I wanted to talk about your hiking because I see your, uh, your photos sometimes hmm. on social media and it's, it's awesome. Like I missed the hiking and. In Kansai. Hmm. Or was like a recent uh, trip you went on? Uh, let's see. Oh, sh- I don't even remember. Uh, where did I go? Oh, um, oh, Yoshino and Nada. Okay. Hmm. Yes. Yeah, so, what, what do you want to? What, what do you want to know? Um, I, I had a few questions on this, but. Like how often, how often will you go hiking? It kind of depends on the season, uh, definitely on the weather and just like what's going on in my life. But ideally I want to go like once a month at least, but sometimes like during vacations, I'll have a lot of days off. So I'll just go like multiple hikes in that week or something. But yeah. Yeah. Okay. Hmm. Do you, one of the, one of the topics I wanted to ask was, do you feel like there's any difference between the hiking in Kansai versus where you lived in America? Um, I guess since uh, Washington, um, the hikes there that I've been on tend to be very, very green. You okay. know, Seattle, uh, Washington is like the Emerald state apparently. Mm. Uh, so a lot of mm. big evergreen trees and whatnot, very beautiful. Whereas in Kansai and I've also gone to like uh was it not Nagoya uh and other prefectures anyway mm. and uh, I've done hikes there and I've noticed that some are very green some are more just like rocky like Mount Roko uh, yeah by, yeah yeah it's much more rocky so there's more diversity in terms of the routes 
Yeah. And yeah. then, uh, of course, you know, Japan has a lot of the Koryo and the Sakura blossoms. So, like, Yoshino is a great spot for that. But I've noticed mm. a lot more tourism, like tourists yeah. in Japanese hikes because hmm. of the ease of access with trains. Anyone yeah, can get sure. there. And there's a lot of ropeways for a lot of these uh, mountains. So, yeah, like, especially during the Sakura or the Koyo season, I'll just see a bunch of families and a bunch of tourists just taking pictures everywhere. Hmm. So it makes hiking seem more like a normal thing. Whereas in Seattle and Washington, hiking seemed more exclusive to the outdoorsy people okay okay yeah i feel like it was a very maybe a more common hobby in japan you'd see a lot more people going out and in like hiking gear yeah if not out on the trail you know i think and, it's uh, funny how japanese hmm. people if they in like try to get into a hobby they go all the way so yeah. you'll see these dudes with the hiking sticks really nice boots and stuff and I'm just like wearing tennis shoes and shorts forever. <laughs> I was wearing normal clothes on a on my uh, Mukugawa hike. I don't. I wouldn't call it like a trail hike, but hmm. I come back into the train station and I'm sweating. Yeah. And people are just looking at me weird. Like, what are you doing? What? Is, <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> like, I didn't have like the the athletic gear on, so maybe I looked really out of place. I don't know. Ah. Uh... Silly guy, Gene. Didn't come prepared right. with this. I know. <laughs> Faux pas. Um, yeah, I, I relate to there. So, like, not having my hiking sticks, my hat, my my rucksack, or like all the gear. <laughs> yeah. That said, like, I've I've actually met. Mm, yeah, I've met a couple people like out on the trail in Japan. Mm-hmm. And we'll just start talking. Nice. And, and it's very friendly out there. Absolutely. Very yeah. chill people. Um, some of them, uh, I've, I sprained <clears throat> my ankle one time uh, <clears throat> going down these like really steep steps. Oh, shoot. I just went to Gung Ho and this guy, yeah. um, you know, normally you would think he might be kind of like off-putting. And like he mm. had like a really kind of menacing sort of atmosphere. Like the he mm. had resting bitch face, right? Oh shit. <laughs> and then, you know, I just talked to him and like, hey, you know, how are you doing? And his expression went from just like pissed off looking to just like, oh hey, yeah, you know, just like really friendly. Yeah. Just like that. I'm like, whoa, okay. This is mm. really, really cool. And then he had um uh, like a compression thing that okay. heated up and he like just gave it to me. He was like, here, here you go. This is for your ankle. I hope wow. you feel better. And he helped walk me down the rest of the staircase, make sure awesome. I was okay. I was like, really wow, cool. what a sweet guy. What a cool guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I feel like that's a little more rare hmm. in the States. I don't know. Yeah. It was crazy. Last summer, I went to a place called Panama Rocks in New York. Okay. And uh, it used to be like a, a big Native American site. Like they would camp out there. So you'd see like remnants of what they were doing there. Okay. But someone fell into a gorge. Oh. A deep gorge, like hidden in the ground. Oh, and shit. Uh, like obviously, like people, you know, came together and called the the ems crew to, to get them out but i mean that was nice to see yeah. <laughs> they, they were helping them um but w- 
what I felt in America is that it's harder to access places like that. Right. Like that was like more than two hours out by car. Oh, dang. Okay. Whereas, I don't know if you feel this way, but in Osaka, you can kind of get to a variety of different places like pr pretty easily on, on the train. Yeah. And even if you can't get there by train, there's always like a bus that goes to yeah. where you need to go. Yeah, yeah. I really like that, the, the public mm -hmm. transportation aspect. Definitely. That said, getting a car here really sucks. Like oh, just parking yeah. and insurance is really expensive. Yeah, even the initial um, getting the license, I heard is like uh, about 2,000 USD. Yeah, yeah, 2,000 right. to 3,000, depending on where you go. Yeah, that's so insane. that's crazy. <laughs> I don't know, like if they're trying to limit the number of drivers with that price, but probably because they can't make enough parking spaces for everyone. Sure, so they have yeah. to limit it somehow. Yeah. Um, but it is cool seeing hmm. like all the bike parking areas. Yeah. Oh my goodness! I don't know about like Seattle, let's say, or or different cities throughout Washington, but. Mm -hmm. Um, have you seen the, the South Park episode about the, the scooters? Uh, no. How the scooters were taking over the city? There's, um, there's a company that rents out scooters to huh. American cities, basically. And there'll be like scooters all over the, the city blocks. Oh. The idea being like anybody could uh, insert coins or tap their card and yeah. have like easy transportation. Mm -hmm. But the problem is they end up everywhere and they're like thrown about yeah so there's no dedicated scooter hubs it's just like in japan it's very neat and there'll be like a parking space next to conan or next to family mart right these bikes america it's just ah fuck it put it's it a in. free for all man you never yeah. see that uh we had bikes not okay scooters from what i remember uh, but it might have changed to scooters now. I don't know. Mm. And, I remember uh, seeing yeah. those like ugly green bikes just like everywhere. I was like, "What? What is this shit?" They were ugly green scooters. Nice. I wonder if it wasn't the same company. Probably. It was terrible, dude. It like I was in Austin the past summer, and it it was so obnoxious how many fucking scooters there were all over the city, <laughs> like laying in sidewalks and shit. Did they backtrack and clean that stuff up, or is it still there? I don't know. It, it's just there as like a city service as like maybe cheap public transportation huh i don't know but it doesn't look nice huh. yeah it's funny differences between the states and <laughs> japan absolutely it's funny noticing these things because it, living in another or not living in another country you would never have anything to compare it to Makes me wonder mm -hmm. how much uh, I'll notice next time I go back to the States because it's been yeah. a good two years now. Sure, you'll notice quite a bit. At what point mm -hmm. would you say that uh, you are completely like uh, Japanified or, you know, you're no longer American because you've been gone for so long? So that's a question. Hmm. I, uh, eat with chopsticks like every day oh now i 
I don't know. Not that that's like a defining trait of being Japanese, but like even now. Yeah, yeah. Oh, nice. Huh. I listen to like I've got my Spotify playlist. That's like all my my Japanese bands that I like mostly. Nice. I'm like, I feel like it's it's almost a bad thing that I'm still kind of stuck there. <laughs> I still oh. have dreams about teaching. What? Oh yeah. no. <laughs> yeah. Oh. Is it like random kids or like the kids that you taught? Sometimes it's the kids that I taught, and sometimes it's like a new class. Aw, that's of, nice. of random people. Yeah. You miss them. We I do miss them. I I was cut off from my um my preschool class two months before we were supposed to officially end due to COVID Uh, when they shut down the schools. So I was on a camping trip and I got a text from uh, the two of the the teachers. mm -hmm. One was an administrator. They were like, Hey, sorry, we have to cancel the the class. And I, I did not feel good. and stuff yeah they're your kids that and we've been going all year right yeah i was like fuck fuck it's funny how attached you get to like some of the classes and stuff like at first you think oh it's just a job we'll have some fun but then you really connect with a lot of them and that's probably one of the things i like about teaching the most is making that connection yeah i never thought I would experience that with, with teaching. I never wanted to be a teacher mm. out of college. I was an English major and I was like, I don't want to go into, I don't want to be recycled into teaching. But then I learned about teaching overseas and it somehow changed my perspective on it. Nice. <laughs> but then I loved it too. So I don't know. Is that what you're doing now? No, I'm working. I'm, back working for a family business that I've worked for out and off okay for my entire working life basically but yes they do um drafting and like an AEC uh, architecture and whatnot but okay more hands-on yeah it's more more about planning and and whatnot and drawing instructions (laughs) okay (laughs) yeah (laughs) It's honestly, it's not as fun as teaching. It's not as um, people oriented. It's more like solo work. So, ah, but I guess at the same time, you can kind of get in the zone and just like do the thing. And then, oh, three hours of fast. Yeah. Um, some projects are like that. And some are more, well, you still deal with people, obviously, like the, the clients and whatnot. Hmm. But then there's some clients that are more difficult than others. Right. Bring the picky. And um, yeah, I, I, there's some people in the industry too that aren't like they'll try to step on other jobs' shoes, uh, which you'll see sometimes. So it's not- interesting. It's it's got its own set of challenges. Hmm. But um, yeah, I wasn't I wasn't sure if that was a good decision, switching careers like that. So it's like if you go to Japan and teach. You know, but you want to pivot out of that or or step up. I've seen a lot of people go further into teaching, like get their masters, oh, their nice. doctorates. And yeah. Um, one of my trainers at ECC went on to uh teach in university and he loved it. Oh, that's cool. So nah. yeah, yeah. It's always a path up, but mm. 
one of the trainers, like he became a lawyer now. Mm, I think I know who you're talking about maybe, but yeah. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so kind of all over the places. Yeah. That's maybe an example of someone who used this job as maybe a springboard, you know, into another career. And people always mm. say, if you do the, if you do any work overseas, it looks good on a resume here. I wouldn't know. I haven't really uh, applied anywhere since I've been back here. So, Because, I mean, in our case, we're both kind of uh, easing our way into the development route, um, you know, yeah. game development. Uh, of course, not like as a job right from the get-go. We're still learning the skills, but I feel like a lot of us expats are doing the teaching just to figure out what we want to do and then kind of start building that sort of skill set yeah that's one thing with this podcast that i wanted to explore was everybody basically that i knew in the expat community always had like another little side thing that they would do yeah whether it was more artsy or uh, into music or design or, or whatever hmm. i always love that like how all the different uh, kind of hobbies but it's it's usually geared toward maybe making some money off of that too someday yeah and uh being able to if you wanted to get out of the teaching game or whatever but what are your um what, what's your scope on that do you think in terms of like what 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 are you trying to uh focus on so like I mean, you've I... got game dev but i know you do some music as well hmm. is there anything um... else there that, that you're trying to do or, or experimenting with yeah, I mean, ever since coming to Japan, I've been experimenting a lot. One year, I just wrote a blog. Uh, I Sweet. even ended up making my own site nice, for man. the blog. And I just blogged every day. So I got a lot of writing down. And then yeah. one year, I did a lot of drawing. So I started made, making paintings and stuff. It was, that was pretty cool. Um, but hmm. Uh, it was terrible for my eyes. Like my eyes were getting mm. so tired, like wow. focusing on the little details. So it's like, all right, maybe I'll just do it for yeah. like the kids and stuff to help them understand the lesson. So it's helped in okay. that aspect. And I found that Sweet. even though I have a, I've tried these different hobbies and things, all of these little things have helped kind of point me in the right direction mm. toward uh, game development, which I think is what I've always wanted to do as a kid but never really had the courage or just oh yeah you know put the effort into you know pursuing i didn't and think it was possible it was... as a kid i just thought it was like a godly position that only geniuses <laughs> could like could code video games yeah yeah but... i was kind of the same thinking you had to be really oh. smart and good programmer to do it and you know i looked more into it and you know to make a game you have to be able to write a scenario well my blog writing helped you know, mm. with that, uh, doing the art stuff, you know, you need to draw characters, you need character designs and stuff. So I could probably do that. It looks shitty, but I could still do it. Oh, it's, yeah, it's a requirement for games, right? Yeah. Essentially. And yeah, I feel like everyone uh, in Japan, you know, who doesn't want to just be a teacher? Like my girlfriend, she wants to be a preschool teacher. So, okay. You know, even though right now she's teaching in the schools, you know, her end goal is still education related. So this is still helping her out. But a lot of us, like yeah. you and I, and, 
you know, we have our side thing and all of us, even if we don't realize it, are doing things that are probably helping us later on in life. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's cool that you saw the hobbies coming together toward a, a bigger goal, I guess. Yeah. I always thought teaching led me toward game development and that huh. in class we design games for the kids, right? Or at least in Kiowa. Oh, right. Yeah. So that was always very hard for me was carrying out a game and making it fun. Right. But then when I learned how to do that in class, I started designing my own scenarios and activities. Nice. I was like, how can I make my own stuff fun? Okay. And then you, you apply that to adult classes and kid classes. And it's like a core skill, like how to motivate someone to participate in Absolutely. an activity. So even teaching, I thought was a, a very big thing in game dev. <laughs> totally. Well, like the yeah. tutorial is like so important into getting a player to like continue playing or to just, yeah. just say, oh, this game sucks. Yeah. And like, especially making it intuitive and not in your face. Cause like, mm-hmm. I remember all the, like the best games. Like, did you ever play Mega Man X? I've played Mega Man games. Not, I don't think I've played Mega Man X. Okay, Mega Man X particularly had just a fantastic intro level okay. because it just throws you into the game and okay. like the level design essentially forces you to learn a lot of the mechanics. Mm. Whereas like some games are like, it pauses and just gives you a text blurb of, okay, press mm. blah, blah, blah to do the dash. And Mega Man X just says, fucking do it, kid. Just like, don't die. And you just do it. Yeah, it puts you right in the action and skips exactly. kind of the boring part. And I guess teaching, you know, as you said, learning how to do make those games and activities fun and interactive would greatly help you in your game dev mindset into, okay, this is what worked with these games. How do I implement it in like this level or whatever? Yeah, it's really, it's like anything where you have to have someone use some skill whether it's like English or language teaching or developing a video game and teaching the player the controls, like how do you make it fun and they can see the benefit that the skill does. So instead of telling them like press X to jump, make them jump over like a a wall or something, or like create some tension maybe where they're, they're using that skill and it's having some effect in game. There's there's different theories on what actually makes things fun, mm. and uh, I've got a really good book on that. If you want to get nerdy yeah. into it and read it, yeah, it's a, let me look it up here. It's by a game developer named Tienan Sylvester. I don't even spell Tienan. T E okay T Y N A N. Is it quest for justice as death snuffs flying dream? What? I think the book is called Game Dev. Uh oh, hold on, it's on my phone actually. It's on it's on Tinder here. Sorry, audience. This is us nerding out about our another <laughs> hobby. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. As as a gamer, I love just learning and being exposed to different games. Like right now I just bought the new Metroid game. Okay, nice. 
And I really loved Super Metroid on the Super Nintendo and the Metroid Prime games. And just like seeing how they carried on uh, a lot of old mechanics from the old series into this new game, you know, made it look 3D, really beautiful, but also kept a lot of the integrity and a lot of what made Metroid Metroid instead of just like revamping it in their own way. I like kind of the blend of new and old. They didn't broke. They didn't break what wasn't broken. <laughs> or they didn't fix what wasn't broken. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> the the book is called Designing Games by Tina and Sylvester. Designing games. Okay, a guide to engineering experiences. It was a great book on human motivation and um, how some games will hack into like uh our monkey brain basically okay and like here's uh resources that you get here's some dopamine uh keep playing Uh and how other games are more intrinsically motivating where hey the skill's kind of hard can you uh is it fun for you to get better at it Mm. dang five that 50 bucks for the paperback Okay. okay, I think so I, I got a Kindle there, but um, I don't know how much it is on the Kindle version. Uh, two, 30 bucks. Can you read? Uh, do you do Kindle or do you have to have a hard copy? I prefer hard copy, but yeah, I have Kindle. Mm-hmm. I, well, I just use my phone or my like my iPad. Yeah, yeah, same here. I use my uh, my phone. I never thought I would be able to get into Kindle until I had no room to put anything anywhere. Mm. <laughs> it worked out. I do really like that Kindle paper one, whatever, that like the page looks like paper, but yeah. like, it's still really light. But you can write on it too, right? Can you? Or oh. do they, some, some of them you can write on now. It's like a, like an analog digital notebook kind of thing. Okay. It's supposed I mean, to sit like paper. But yeah, I don't know. That's like a good mm. mix of both worlds because I don't know. Holding my phone in my hand, like my eyes are already bad as it is, but mm. like looking yeah. at that tiny screen just like fucks my eyes. But then the iPad is too heavy. I, I don't want to just like hold that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Forever, so I might get one of those Kindles. It's pretty nice. Yeah, the screen's a little less jarring. I, I keep my phone on the, the dark mode when I read on there. Nice. But yeah. Do you think um do you think moving overseas helped you in some way, like find your hobbies? Absolutely. Um, especially so? like the first month or so. Yeah. Uh, you don't have as much money. Yeah. So you're kind of forced to find ways to entertain yourself. You know, some people who normally like to go out to bars or like clubs and stuff. Well, mm. now you don't have money. So you have to find ways to bide your time. In my case, I can't just stay in my house in the apartment and not do anything. I have to either play games to engage myself, study, mm. or like work out. So it forced me to kind of run around my area, get to know the area. And I found a bunch of cool shops here and there. And then once I finally had some money, I was like, okay, let's check this place out. And, you know, you t- in your case, you talk to people at the bars and you meet people and yeah. you discover new things and you just kind of poke your head in things here and there and find a bunch of things you like. Yeah, I felt similar. And I don't know why. I felt like before I moved, I was just in such a weird place in my life. 
the uh, I would feel bad for anybody in there in that position, like in the present. Yeah. Where they don't really feel like they can like they know who they are, I guess. Hmm. But living on my own over there made me bored enough. Like like in your case, you said, you know, I've got no money. Like, like what's there to do? So you just start like you're so much less comfortable that you start exploring more. Yeah. I felt like that was really good for me. Definitely. And uh, I think some people yeah. I've noticed who end up moving back because they just can't take it anymore. Mm. Those generally tend to be the people who didn't go out and explore. Instead, yeah. they just stayed in their apartment and just like, you know, went on uh, social media and like talked to all their friends back home. And that made them really homesick. Yeah. 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 So you got to get out and explore. Yeah. It seems like on the internet, from what I've seen, there's usually like the, those two camps, there's the people that have a really bad experience overseas or in Japan. Mm-hmm. And then people that, that love it, I guess, maybe yeah. people that are in between, but they're not as outspoken. But I always find that interesting. I feel bad for the people that have a bad time and maybe you can see why they had a bad time as an outsider, but mm. it's tough to tell them why they're wrong in their own experience. Right. I don't know. Nobody wants to be told what to do, but also um, it's easier. It's one of those easier said than done kind of things, I think. Yeah. Yeah. My buddy, uh, he just had a bad set of cards. Uh, he came to Japan mm. through Jet. And he hmm. was placed in the countryside and okay. his, he got a house, which is cool, but his house oh, wow. had a lot of black mold in it. Oh no. Yeah. Cause I guess the previous person just did shit job of cleaning. And sure. so, oh my goodness, moving right into this house, black mold, really bad air. And it made him really sick. Yeah. But like jet took like more than a month to relocate him. So by oh. that time he was already you know, feeling kind of shitty and uh, yeah, black mold he ended up very, very toxic. Yeah. <laughs> and so he ended up finally moving back to, you know, the States, but by yeah. that time it already caused like some physical and of course mental damage. And oh my God, dude, yeah, you know, kind of so messed up. Yeah. Messed with his mind and yeah, you know, it made him a little bitter about Japan, but yeah, he's doing good now, but still. Cool. Yeah. I mean, sometimes things kind of happen out of your control and you just got to work that into your human life story, I guess. Yeah. You know? Yeah. It's like, it's not going to be the changing moment for everyone mm. going overseas, but it's a part of your life either way, I guess. Exactly. Um, I think ma- mindset, how you look at things is the most important thing. Cause yeah, even yeah, you, I remember you and Arthur were talking about um, like, weebs weeaboos yeah and he was like thinking oh it's gonna be great it's mm. anime land gonna be so popular i'm yeah you know, everyone's gonna love me but like having those expectations kind of sets you up for disappointment instead just like being open to experiencing something new you know, it's a new country so things aren't going to be the way you assume them to be yeah and the problem with that is you're going off of like a fiction already exactly you're basing your expectation of reality on fiction i've dude i've met people like that oh god 
met people like that. And uh, I've also like, I've met the people that talk about the other gaijin and how they're different. <laughs> what? Oh yeah, I've, like overheard people talking about that in public. I'm a different cut. Look at these other gaijin, they're just, they don't get it. Uh, I'm, just, I'm more Japanese than them. Oh God. People like that too. <laughs> it's a whole bunch of characters. There's, have you heard of the YouTube channel Dogen? Yes, yeah. Yeah, so he has this video about like levels of Japanese mastery. Okay. And, like there's this one level who's like, yeah, you know, I've watched a bunch of anime, so I've learned a lot of things about the culture. So I know, you know, what's going on. But their like actual Japanese ability is like still pretty shit. Yeah. And then you go to the next level and like he's like speaking full on sentences, blah, 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 blah. I can do this. I've been studying Japanese for three years. This is me, you know, blah, 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 using a bunch of like high level grammar that <laughs> nobody actually uses in real life. Yeah. And then the last level, like the the master or so so-called master, they ask him, oh. Do you speak Japanese? And he just responds simply, uh, I'm still learning. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> that's that's the correct answer for that kind of question. I, I suppose. Yeah. <laughs> the cultural, the culturally correct answer. Yeah. Don't have to be all elitist or anything. It's just like, yeah, I'm I'm trying to learn. Yeah. He's a so, he's a he's got some good videos, Dogen. Yeah. There was one that was like too many foreigners speak Kansai Ben already. Like if you really want to be different, learn something. Did you have any type of uh any kind of media that helped prepare you for Japan? Because I feel like anime could be one for people, but it's not a good one to base reality off of. Ah. Uh... I found uh, that Abroad in Japan YouTube channel, which is very popular before uh, I yeah. went. I feel like that helped me a little bit uh, on what to expect with certain things. But did you have anything like that? Uh, well, like in my case, I took three years of Japanese in high school. And okay. my teacher, Mr. Kumakura, is Japanese. So he yeah. taught us a lot of like the school aspects of Japan. And he would tell us about Japanese culture. But you know, he's an hmm. older guy, so he's a little dated. Okay. Okay. But just, yeah, I mean, those YouTube channels abroad in Japan and stuff definitely help. I think um, instead, maybe try to watch some Japanese yeah. uh, YouTubers like yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. you know, he does a lot of variety stuff or Who is some it? Japanese YouTubers. You know, this way you get it not hmm. only from a Japanese person's perspective, but you, you're exposed to the language, you're exposed to like their way of like, making entertainment yeah 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 and just like seeing the differences between like abroad in japan's version of making jokes or like making things look funny or whatever versus a japanese mm. person with their like big signs or a lot of text boxes and stuff just gives you a big insight on kind of the japanese mentality and experience. yeah yeah that's a great point who did, who did you mention by the way it was the japanese youtuber that you mentioned uh hikakin uh h-i-k-k-i k-i-n oh no, no sorry only one k so h-i-k-a-k-i-n hikakin okay okay yeah he's like japan's number one youtuber <laughs> really okay cool yeah yeah i always knew uh yuta 
Oh, Yuta. Uh, he, what? Like, find your love in Japan guy? As far as, yeah, he's, he does, he like interviews people, right? And does uh, uh, Japanese yeah. lessons, I think. Okay, yeah. That guy does pretty good stuff, too. Very chill. There was a YouTuber for, that would teach Japanese called uh, Japanese Ammo with Misa. Huh. He's really cool. Okay. Recommendations. Um, yeah. That's a good point, though, about watching, like, abroad in Japan is English, obviously. So he might have a different take than just the Japanese guy or the target country that you're trying to go to. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. It's good to get both perspectives, I guess. It's like, yeah, it's terrible. I, I don't know if it's a good analogy, but it's like me trying to tell people about how, like, women think. Yeah, I'm not mm. a woman, so obviously I'm not going to know everything. Yeah. And similarly, like, why would you ask a foreigner about how Japanese people think when they themselves aren't Japanese? They might know some things, but they don't know everything. Yeah. Just getting directly from the source is probably a lot more insightful, even if you don't necessarily know the language. Yeah. On that, I think both are important or have merit. Like it's, it's cool as a foreigner to get a foreigner's perspective because you have that, that similar lens of coming from a Western country. But then yeah. if you want to go deeper, like it's obviously good to go get it from the source too. Exactly. And, and uh, yeah. And anime is cool for some things. Like obviously it's difficult to really talk about and understand what a bunkasai is or yeah you know, some things like that mm. whereas an anime can just literally show it yeah. so anime is useful in some ways but you know the whole purpose of anime is escapism so yeah. you shouldn't take it fully to heart it's something japan is really good at is escapism oh, yeah. they got the best video games <laughs> some of the best media <laughs> Just going to a Japanese arcade is insane. Yeah. Have these like Gundam booths or whatever. You get the 3D. Oh, yeah. like, so awesome. One thing I found like fairly shocking was witnessing grown men after work go to the arcade and yeah. just veg out. <laughs> like they're still in their salaryman suits. And yeah. Stuff. Yeah. Like right coming home from work and going to the arcade. I was like, that would never happen in like a Dave and Buster's in America. You'd never see that. It's not cool. I don't think I've even seen an arcade in Washington since mm-hmm. I was a kid. Yeah. Like just seeing one blew my mind a bit. Well, then again, like I always thought American video games were more solo based. Like you play single player or like Xbox move to having no split screen. So you play alone kind of. Ah, uh, like yeah. Online. Whereas Japanese games, like, the Nintendo Switch, you can play with like f- two people right out of the box with one controller that comes right. in a part, you know? Or, like even and Pokemon was like a, a weirdly multiplayer game for back in the with day. the link cables, yeah. Yeah, man. <laughs> Pokemon Go, obviously, was like a huge, like kind of social game, I guess. It's interesting how Japan is more focused on mobile, like portable gaming now because... Yeah. You know, one lack of space, but also, you know, they really want to be like social and share the experience. Whereas America is more like, oh, just go on Xbox Live and play people online, but still like based on at the home. 
Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's a good point too. How it's, you see more people out and about playing games in Japan versus you come home to play games in America. I don't think I would really see someone playing Switch on the bus in America, whereas in Japan, yeah, yeah. I'll see people playing smartphone games or sometimes Switch. Mm. You know, all the kids love to bring their Switch to like you know ECC and stuff. Yeah, 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 for sure. And cell phone games and what, yeah, whatever. yeah. I can't say I, I haven't taken public transportation in Buffalo, so I don't know what people do on on our buses here. But yeah, do I see it out and about? No yeah even like pokemon go i think is kind of settled down here i don't see people playing that that's true i think same in japan too like occasionally i'll see someone play but for the most part it's probably died down up to a few years ago i would see people outside like outside my ecc school uh on like a saturday they'd be lined up at like a gym or something (laughs) like holy (laughs) shit people are still playing this and it's it's everywhere nice. like, what? yeah it's pretty shocking i don't know gotta catch them all yeah man hmm. but uh i guess nintendo recently uh made a pikmin kind of version hmm. but instead of catching pikmin it's more about just like you get your steps in and you accumulate more pikmin and you can do some something with them okay so like- nintendo's gearing toward like the more well uh, health and wellness aspect of gaming yeah yeah that actually it, it brings me hope in like being a independent game developer but i was always very um cautious like i didn't want to make games that would like world of warcraft would like ruin kids lives by addicting yeah. them and, like i never want to, i'm like that's morally wrong like i don't want to do that right but then the gaming culture in japan is is so different it seems healthy because it's like social and sometimes geared toward like being active i guess and and very musical too like there's a lot of beat games yeah rhythm games are the best yeah did you see like the new version of the dance dance revolution like instead of the Mm. arrows it's just a full pad and like it tracks like your foot sliding over the pad and stuff like that no i haven't seen that oh it's so cool like people are doing like actual like full-on dance moves and like the sensor on the floor like senses where you put your feet and stuff yeah so you can do more than just like up down left right Mm. it's like full-on like spins circles you know that's awesome jackson moves yeah yeah they made it more organic maybe yeah natural that's cool i would see some people belt out uh ddr like some of the arcades would have the window display nice. ddr side that was so funny in uh in namba and ddr was the best i used to play that shit all the time but i had like the console version at home so okay. i would play that like on you know after school sometimes i never played that i played the uh guitar hero and all that okay that was fun too yeah i i witnessed my dad have a randy marsh moment where he's like i can play this he picks up the guitar like he's a really good guitarist but he he like cannot play the the ddr oh uh, yeah <laughs> or, or the uh, the guitar hero rather so he's like yeah. what the hell well, i don't understand this fret thing or this yeah like dad you suck at guitar watch <laughs> it's like a fake fake guitar <laughs> yeah 
I remember practicing so hard on Guitar Hero 3, the Through the Fire and the Flames. It was like the, the mm. hardest oh level. Goodness. And just like, my dad's yeah. like, what the hell? Mm. <laughs> Never got that good. It's one of those, like, you have to dedicate a couple hours every day. Yeah. Or at least for me, because I'm terrible at guitar stuff, but. Mm. Do you think Twitch was around back then? Was Twitch TV around when, like. Oh, I don't know. Okay, I could see that being like a popular Twitch thing, but I don't know. Oh, Twitch was 2011. Huh. Public beta was 2011. Mm, Okay. Seems like a long time ago, but it doesn't. Let's see. Guitar Hero. Guitar Hero 3. When did that come out? That was 2007. Wow. Hmm. That's so long ago. ago. Oh, yeah. It's high school days. <laughs> Seeing that just makes me feel so old, but like, we're still pretty young. We're only yeah. 30. I don't, I don't feel old. I would have cousins that were like 25. They're like, I'm so old. <laughs> My life is over. I'm not a CEO yet. I'm fucking doomed. I'm a loser. <laughs> Going nowhere. I think the best thing about turning 30 it so one of my one of my childhood mentors at, when I was a kid he told me something that I'll always remember and it's that you hmm. know 20s are about just like finding out what you like hmm. finding out what works for you you know finding out making mistakes uh, you know dating girls and finding out you know what kind of person you want to be with and then what kind of person you want to become yeah so it's the identity part and then 30s is about really developing yourself acquiring those skills so he said not to really worry about it too much it's not about mm. a race and if you think about it you know we're going to be working especially now we're going to be working until we're like 70 maybe 75 depending Woo-hoo. on how much they want to ex- extend the the retirement policy or whatever yeah yeah so it's like yeah if i start getting my shit together at 30 that's still 40 years of working so like come on yeah. there's no rush it's one, it's one of the reasons i wanted to expand outside of teaching and like make my hobbies into money making things and and not for the sole purpose of making money but just like if i've got so such a long time on this planet and I'm spending a lot of, I'm spending like eight hours working and like doing something I'm maybe not liking, mm. like before I moved to Japan. It's like, I really, I, I want to find something that will get me ahead of the game or something that I can do mm. for something. the rest of my life that I'm not going to hate. <laughs> Just a better work-life balance. Yeah. I hope the, the whole world can kind of move toward that with Definitely. like automation i guess and robotics like getting yeah. rid of boring jobs maybe <laughs> i think even in japan uh the moral education class also talks about like toxic word culture wow. and you know japan is notorious for having like a lot of overtime a lot of people getting really stressed out for like yeah. these black companies making them work 
for like 80 hours a week, but only getting paid for 40, if that's crazy. Yeah. And like, I think it was um, maybe Poland or something like that, that implemented a a four day work week. Okay. I think starting this year, something like that. But uh, yeah, the world's changing and Japan is totally on board with that. They're trying to also strike that better work-life balance. So you know, I like the idea that even if I work until like 70, 75, if it's not only, you know, less stressful, uh, shorter work week, it gives me something to do. Cause once I retire, you know, I'm probably going to have way too much free time and feel kind of piss bored. Yeah. There's a idea of retiring early, but doing, you don't just like sit on the beach all day and drink whatever pina coladas. Right. You, that gets old. Yeah, you retire to do something that you like more or you have more passion for, maybe. Mm. Or you just continue your doing whatever you did, but in you know, whatever capacity that you want to. Right. So or just enjoying your family too. <laughs> yeah. Um I I did witness a lot of my adult students complain about like their their working situations. Yeah. And the obvious things like or the, the common things like I hate going out with my boss every day after work. <laughs> the the nonikai. Yeah. Like being expected to to join your boss for drinks after your shift. It's like the old school mentality of they call it nomi communication or nomication, uh, <laughs> drinking communication, because yeah. yeah they're not so uh open and emotional at work so this is their only time to yeah. quote unquote bond but it's just like forced and expected so it's like fake bonding and th- they say gomasuri which is uh, mm. basically brown nosing yeah boot licking i always found it interesting in that i would never go drinking with my my boss in an American company. Yeah. Minus there was like one company where I, I would, but he was more of my trainer and we were working together like on a, on a different basis, not like in an office setting, but usually like the boss was never invited. It was weird. If you invited the boss, it was just weird. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) In America. So I always found that interesting in Japan. I, I kind of liked it. You know, maybe, maybe until I, I learned that it was more of a forced thing, but. Did you go to an Omikai? Yeah, for ECC. I okay. Would. I yeah. would go with my, my students as well. Um, nice. Unbeknownst to me, I didn't realize it was like kind of against the rules not to at least tell the administration, like in the CRD department, this different teaching department, essentially, of the company. Ah, right, right. And they're like, why do you have a student's number, Mark? I was like, oh, we have like a student group chat. I thought that was normal. Like, uh, no, that's, that could get you fired. <laughs> I'm like, okay. Yeah, that was funny. And of course I get it because they don't want like sexual harassment cases and stuff like that. Or they don't want the teacher to be stalked by one of the students. Yeah, yeah. Um, I missed the training day on that, to be fair. I, was, I, I literally missed the training day where they said oh. not to do that but... okay i was gonna say i remember that yeah i had a 
an apparent stalking case oh where i don't know what it i don't know what it was but my at my first school the staff said hey mark do you know this some person that lives here they said that they came in this morning and they said that they saw my face on the poster and they knew me and they wanted to speak with me or something what or, or meet up with me i was like oh weird this is a you know not even a year into japan <laughs> i did not know what they were talking about yeah it was a little weird but they put your face on like on advertising sometimes okay so they'll not my face i don't look oh sorry man (laughs) (laughs) they um they had a picture of me out in front of the school like hey come on in ah okay and uh i guess someone was like trying to meet up with me but i've heard that there's been like really effed up cases about you know there's not a lot of crime in japan but when there is it's like really messed up Mm. at least in my opinion yeah and there was one of a, a british english teacher who got stalked and the guy asked for english lessons ah uh, yeah and he was like oh i don't have my money they met up at a cafe he's like i don't have my money but do you want to follow me back to my my house and i'll pay you she was like uh okay and he fucking killed her yeah in his house i don't know do you know about this i do do you really? know what happened to him Basically, do you want to do you want to finish the story? <laughs> yeah. Uh, so you know, he ended up. Uh, he was actually a rich kid. They call this yeah. uh, what was it? Uh, Oya gacha, Oya gacha. Okay. Which is gacha is like gachapon, those little <clears throat> capsule machines. Yeah. Oya is parents. So basically, Oya mm. gacha means someone who was born with a silver spoon in their mouth, born under mm. wealth. So this kid just had a lot of money and just didn't know what to do with his life. He decided to, you know, murder this teacher. And then he goes on the run for like seven years and he ends up getting like surgery to like alter his face. So he doesn't look like, you know, the wanted person. And he eventually gets caught, but it took him seven years. How did he get caught again? I forgot about that. I don't remember. Okay. I think he just slipped and a little little careless, but every day was hell for him. And I think he even wrote a book about it. Wow. Is he like out of jail or some bullshit? I don't know that much, but there's the story of the, uh, the cannibal that's like that ate the girl in Europe and he got sent back to Japan and he's like out of prison. Wait, what? He wrote a book too about being a cannibal. Jesus. Yeah, I don't know the guy's name, but in that in the girl's case, in the British girl's case, her parents had to come to Japan to raise a stink about it. Right. Because the authorities were like, we went to his apartment and he got he slipped past like 12 police officers. And uh, we can't find him. So that's sorry. Sorry about your daughter. And they were like, what the fuck? So they had to go and like raise international media attention about this. Didn't they like enlist the Yakuza as well? I think they did. Yeah. yeah. That's crazy. Yeah. People talk shit about the Yakuza, but then they're the ones making like the Yatai stands, the food stands and everything. And exactly. It seems like they're, they're helping the little band sometimes. They're very, <laughs> I don't know, very involved with the community, which is a good yeah. thing. And that's one reason why people don't fuck with them because it's like, yeah. you know, they're looking out for us too. My, one of my, uh, co-workers 
showed me this uh there was a, a street in osaka and it had a kind of a girl club the girls would come in and drink with you and sit on your lap and dance and all that but hmm. he's like the guys that run this are basically i guess they're yakuza but they they bought this building in this neighborhood it's like an old 80s kind of art deco crazy looking building oh. and uh they they keep the streets clean so these guys will come out and they like clean up the entire kind of block to okay. just make it look nice nice and they, i guess they pay the the girls well i don't know and they they try to keep the neighborhood safe too apparently so it's like they're kind of running this like shady business but they're also kind of cleaning up the neighborhood a little bit <laughs> like a, yeah I, I respect it yeah so like there are some things that are really fucked up that they do, but you know, some things that are you know pretty good. It's like yeah. I don't know, controlled chaos, maybe. I don't know. Yeah, maybe, maybe. Hmm. You do you have any interesting the... like stories as of recently that, that you've heard about or um mm. local stories? Local stories or, or not local as in japan not really mm. um i don't really pay attention to the news that much okay uh other than like the headline like oh jeff bezos went to space just because <laughs> he's rich as shit <laughs> apparently uh one of the japanese uh philanthropists also did that he uh, went to space i forgot his name but he yeah owns zozo town okay like a clothing brand I've got him, I've got his line account where he like updates about that. <laughs> what you're talking about. Yeah. Um, I forget his name too. It's probably in kanji, so I maybe can't read it. I don't know. Yeah, or Yusaku maybe is his name. I don't Anyway. Sounds familiar. Can't find him on here. But yeah, the, my thing with Jeff Bezos was like, I don't hate Jeff Bezos. Everyone uses Amazon. So if you like use Amazon and then shit on Jeff Bezos... I think you're being a hypocrite. <laughs> oh, absolutely. But then his rocket ship, like they didn't, I don't, as far as I know, like they didn't really innovate at all. It was just, they were making fun of it because it was a penis shaped rocket. <laughs> and it, it was a typical rocket. Like it goes up, it explodes, it comes back down and you can't use it anymore. Whereas okay. like, at least with Elon Musk, he made it, he like revolutionized rocket technology. So it's like, I kind of get the sentiment of, of like, throwing shade at bezos for that for he, sure he kind of just did it because he could maybe but yeah he was just kind of throwing know. his you know grab grabbing his rock hard cock and just flaunting <laughs> it to everyone yeah. like look at me bitches yeah it was literally a penis shaped rocket <laughs> yeah <laughs> have you looked into um elon musk's uh kind of future projects um not lately like i i know like the general ones, I guess, but what do you, what do you got? Have you heard of the uh, Neuralink? Neuralink? Yes. Yeah. What do, you, what do you think about that? Putting a chip in your brain, connecting to AI and, mm. you know, supposedly increasing your cognitive capacity. Well, his, um, like I watched his Joe Rogan episodes about that. And okay. uh, I liked the initial use case of it which is we're going to help people with alzheimer's 
uh, reconnect like brain neurons. Mm. They're not, not going to have these mental disorders anymore. So I like that use case a lot. Yeah. Um, like fixing your vision. Yeah. Like crazy, crazy augmentation, but to help people like maybe as they age or people that were in accidents or just born that way. Like, I think that would be really fucking cool if, if we can like cyborg people into making them better. (laughs) um, As far as like connecting to AI, like his, his maybe further out vision of it, of what he thinks it's going to be used for. Mm. I I think that's a little wild. I don't, I don't think I would want that. Like the noise in your head. Right. Oh gosh. Yeah. What if something goes wrong and you just constantly hear kill humans, kill humans. You know, yeah. like, <laughs> like, I don't know, man, that'll mess you up. It's kind of one of the points about spirituality is to be silent, to blow the candle out. Yeah. To, uh, to be present and like to, to constantly be, I don't know what it would be like being connected to an AI, the internet, but could you shut it off? Is it constantly kind of running? I don't know. Do you always hear like a white noise in the background? Yeah. I think, you know, like if they came out with like some kind of immortality device or where you could upload your consciousness with Neuralink, I don't know what they would be able to do with that, but I think I'd rather die. Yeah. Than do, than like live forever, I guess. I'd rather find out what's next if anything yeah, <laughs> so, for I don't sure. know. what do you think about the, the neural link i you know kind of similar to you i mean the whole ghost in the shell situation where if we can mm. upload our consciousness into like a empty thing and live forever you know part of me wonders is it still me like yeah have you played the game um uh soma i bought it recently i haven't played it yet this is really good. Really nice yeah. psychological experiment. Uh, I'm not going to spoil it for you then. Okay, then cool. Thank you. <laughs> play it, but basically, uh, okay, I'll reference another game. Have you played oh. Eastward at all? Uh, no, I haven't played that. I'm not sure if I'm familiar with that at all. Okay. It's like an homage to Earthbound, like old school, like Super Nintendo RPG kind of games. Okay. And every time you save in the game, the save station is a refrigerator and you refrigerate your memories and preserve them basically. But every time you save, the game asks you, oh, so would you like to refrigerate your memories and store them? Yes. But, you know, when you take them out, is it still you? So like Mm. if you save your memory or make a copy of your consciousness, is that really you? Yeah. Um, and, and game development specifically, when you save information to the disc, it has to, it doesn't save like the exact situation, right? It saves your player's position, the number of coins you have, the number of experience you have. It saves all those numbers mm-hmm. and writes it to the disc and then it terminates the program. Right. And then when you reload, it writes it all. So it's like, okay, oh, last time we played, we had, we were in this spot. We played, we, we killed this many uh, mole rats. <laughs> we right. had this much, this many bottle caps or whatever, gold. So it like rewrites you basically. 
So that's like, that's a cool, actually, like, I don't know, uh, fourth wall, like game dev <laughs> thing. Yeah. Yeah. Sweet, man. But um, then in, hmm. in real life, uh, our cells, you know, they're always dying and being replaced. So, you know, yeah, I think after 90 days or something like that, like we're completely different. Uh, yeah. Nine months, we're completely different organism. But yeah, yeah. are we still, I guess we're still ourselves somehow. So. I don't know. Yeah. That's a cool um cool thing to think about. Hmm. The fact you that you're a, a different uh creature like every every few months. <laughs> yeah. Somehow yeah. we still have our memories. Yeah. What were you gonna ask? I'm sorry. Oh, would you do it though? Would you do the chip? Neuralink? Yeah. I think maybe if I had a psychological problem, like as I age, if I, I I've helped out in um, old folks homes, like when, when okay. I was a kid and I've seen people like not have good quality of life, good qualities of life in those yeah. homes. I saw one of the most fucked up things I've ever seen when I was uh, like 15 or 16 in a nursing home was I saw this maybe 90 year old woman. Uh, she was in a wheelchair, but like walking down the hallway, like walking herself in the wheelchair down the hallway, like scooting with her feet. And okay. uh, she was looking for her mommy. And I was like, Oh my God. Dang. That was like, <laughs> pretty like disturbing maybe for a younger person to to see for the first time yeah and i was like i do not want to be like that when i'm older i don't want to be crazy so like if, if for whatever reason i was yeah and something could cure it i would totally give me that fucking chip baby <laughs> yeah use <laughs> me up yeah i don't know that would be the only case so like if i was healthy i wouldn't see a, a need for it you know I mean, since you listened to Joe Rogan, you've probably thought a lot about like metaphysics of like the universe and like what happens after we die and stuff. But oh uh, yeah. <laughs> so yeah, what do you think uh, is going to happen once uh, this body of ours gives up? Ascend to the next dimension. I don't know. What do you what think is, about what ghosts? is dark matter? Ah, yeah, dark you know? matter. What are what are ghosts? I don't know, man. Do you have a theory on ghosts? I used to like the Ghost Hunters TV show when I was a kid because uh-huh. they were very skeptical. They were like plumbers by day, but they produced the show as like ghost hunters. Oh, I didn't and, know they were plumbers. Huh. Yeah, yeah. But if you remember the show, they would try, they would always like try to disprove whatever people thought. Like that was their job was to go in and disprove it. Right. And then if they couldn't, they'd be like, well, we couldn't explain this. And we caught like a black figure on camera, like talking to us. <laughs> There's no, no way we could explain that. Mm. Like every once in a while, they would get that right. And um, I don't know if I've said it on the podcast before, but I actually had like a oddly, like kind of, uh, maybe you'd call it a ghost experience in Japan. Okay. But I don't know. Have you ever felt anything like 
kind of spiritual like that in Japan, at least like um, maybe on your hiking trips. So maybe I have zero spirit sense. I don't know, but maybe mm. one time when I was sleeping, uh, of course mm. I was still like in that like half awake, half sleep kind of mindset, but I felt like something was just like watching me in the far corner of my apartment. Mm. And like, I, I don't know if it was just in my mind, like being like, what the heck? Or yeah. just like me being half asleep and like all that imagination happening, right? And yeah, I just like closed my eyes and I felt like it was hovering right above my face, waiting for me to open my eyes. And if I did, I'd be fucked. Was so it a sleep paralysis like, no. kind of thing? No, it wasn't sleep really? paralysis because I could move. I could still like turn and stuff. Um, I have had sleep paralysis and I saw okay. the hag. Yeah, what? that has been seen across multiple generations, countries, and cultures. And stuff. What is the heck? What, what is this? So some people who get sleep paralysis, they see this like old, decrepit, like gnarly oh. looking lady. Yeah. Just looks like she wants to fucking murder your face. Okay. Uh, a lot of people see like a black sort of figure. Yeah. Uh, and especially like uh, women, like they'll mm. feel like pressure on the chest. So it feels like someone's like sitting on their chest, like ready to like, you know, hurt mm. them or like beat them or something like that. Yeah. And they see the the shady figure. So my mom has experienced that. Okay. My brother, my little brother has experienced something like that. My father has experienced something like that. And Ooh. I have, I saw like the, the black figure maybe. Okay. Nice. And it was fucking with all of us at the same time, but it was also at like a very dark time in our household. So oh. it was like, I don't know if it related to that at all. Right. But the one night I felt like I was being pulled off of my bed, like I would get into sleep paralysis, but I would feel my leg being tugged and like hanging down from the bed. Whoa. And uh, I saw this thing and it was like laughing at me. And then I like, I believe I astral projected like out of my body. Okay. You took off. And I was like, I had a falling sensation for what felt like a very long time. And then I came back and I was was like, Oh fuck. (laughs) When you projected out, did you happen to see the figure? No, but like I left my window. I slept next to my window and I just like, I saw my body and the figure was more in the corner of the room, I guess okay and i just i like noped the fuck out of there (laughs) (laughs) sorry body i'm out yeah i don't know it was weird and then i saw it again in japan months later but it was like very weak and i knew it couldn't do anything to me and it was like blurry almost it was weird like maybe Uh, you like got stronger somehow or like it following you just like weakened it yeah interesting that's pretty cool yeah what what did so what did you think like after your hag experience um like or how did that resolve itself or i definitely looked it up because i was like what the fuck is this um and at the time i was still taking some courses uh in university about abnormal psychology oh weird at the time i've i've read so many 
crazy cases about things happening to the body like the body like hardening and crystallizing getting all scaly and stuff because Ooh, of some weird. past trauma or whatever wow or like feeling sensations that shouldn't even be felt despite your back being paralyzed or whatever yeah but i just wrote it all off as being maybe depressed from being in college and poor or yeah some yeah. sort of psychological thing mm, okay yeah but, it can be like I think it's good to maybe try to explain stuff like that and assign a reason to it. Maybe if you can, I don't know. Um, but then the fact that like your family experienced that same thing around the same time makes yeah. me kind of wonder, like, is it really that, or is there something else going on? Have you seen the movie dark skies? I don't think so. Let me dark skies. It's like an alien uh, invasion kind of movie but uh basically yes. this one yeah okay Oof. yeah and like the family records like this weird blip in the boy's room and then they slow it down they f- see like a figure and it turns oh. out the aliens are like stopping time uh, yeah. in this like pocket dimension around the boy and just like experimenting on him and fu- you know just totally messing him up and planting stuff in him <laughs> it makes me wonder if some sort of like crazy alien stuff is going on I don't know, man. I used to have a alien dream, a reoccurring dream every New Year's Day. Oh. That was like my New Year's dream was the aliens. <laughs> They're back to party. Yeah. But I've witnessed, and people just call me fucking crazy, but maybe not so anymore. I don't know. I've witnessed like the uh the triangle lights. Whoa. Before that are way too fast to be like an airplane or anything. Mm-hmm. I've seen those with my father in Buffalo, New York. Okay. It was on the night of a uh, blood moon of like a, like a, a lunar eclipse, but it was, it turned like really red. Mm. And uh, we saw these lights and I was like a dumb little kid. So I was like, Oh, it's an airplane. And my dad was like, what the hell is that? And it like, it took off basically when he said that from what I remember, it like took off in the opposite direction across the uh the skyline oh and then it shot up into the up in, into the air really quickly hmm. it was like that was weird i had a similar experience but yeah i mean granted i was really baked at the time oh okay so, yeah hard <laughs> to really say but um i was outside with my friends we were getting some taco truck and uh, i remember looking at the sky and there there weren't any like street lights where i was looking so it's just bare naked sky and i could see like this light like kind of it looked like a like a mosquito flying pattern you know just kind of random but it was like Mm. flying really fast in a bunch of random like directions and then it came really really close to me and Uh i could see it like as if it were right in front of me, it looked really like speck-like. Yeah. And then it went back into the sky, but it still looked really, really small. So okay. was it like traveling and observing people, like going up and down? I don't know. Some studying crazy thing. Studying baked people. Studying people. Or was I just really high and I was <laughs> seeing a mosquito in the air because it was summertime. Mm-hmm. And then I attributed it to like some sort of light object. I don't know. Yeah. That was in uh in Washington? In uh California. California? Okay. Damn. Yeah. Well the, the fucking pill thing came out in 2020. 
as like official Navy footage. Oh, yeah. The um, have you seen that? The um, the former Navy pilot basically the, the government released that footage and said it was official, like UFO footage, I guess. But what did what did you call it? The pill? The pill they call it. The pill that was the shape that it was that that particular UFO was. Huh. Tic Tac shaped. Tic Tac, yeah. Okay. I'll, I'll look at that later. Interesting. Yeah. That was on Joe Rogan. He, I believe he had the guy that filmed it. Okay. On show. There's a guy flying the plane. Huh. So it was really interesting. But um, I don't know. Going back to ghosts, mm. um, I have friends who like have family connections who you know say they've seen ghosts all their life and you know yeah. they just don't really talk about it because they don't want to freak people out because you know okay. that makes sense but um they they would talk about how they recount them saying oh yeah there's just some guy chilling in the corner cro- crocheting or you know this person's like walking around stuff like that yeah and it made me wonder because all of us are recycled space dust basically yeah. We're just taking a different form as matter can't be destroyed or created according to our laws of physics. Mm-hmm. So it made me wonder, you know, are ghosts maybe like memories of mm. the universe just, and some people can just like pick up on this signal, this frequency or whatever, and they can see a lot of those memories left behind these particles in, you know, that are all around us. And some people just like pick up on it and notice what that memory is and maybe that's ghosts and mm. some people can only see like shady figures because maybe their spirit sense is limited i don't know yeah but they see a figure and it's like oh, okay maybe in the past someone was doing this in here and we can just see like the leftover skin particles or something like that that are still you know traces in the air and then for like spirits, like things that actually interact with the environment, you'll see videos of shit being thrown across the room or whatever. Yeah. Maybe that's what happens to our consciousness after we die. So it's not a memory. It's not like a trace of the past. It's like present. And yeah. maybe that's what a spirit is, is like it hasn't moved on to the next dimension or whatever. It's still lingering. The leftover energy of whatever is in your consciousness. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, they've so they've caught things on like on video. They've interacted with anomalies that there's really no like scientific explanation for it, I guess, hmm. or consensus consensus around it. Yeah. Um, there's like I don't know if you've heard of uh, spirit boxes. No. But it's a uh, it's a device that they use to. It basically cycles through radio frequencies. Uh, okay. And they'll pick up voices on it that aren't, it's not like a radio voice. It's like just things that sound like humans. Mm-hmm. That's fucking really freaky. <laughs> yeah, it is. Spirit boxes. And uh, yeah, it's, I, I think it's easy to call people crazy that experience things like that. But then, we all have a different experience so if you're more receptive to certain things yeah i mean i have been like hearing so dude my uh my aunt had a really effed up experience 
oh this was um during the the fukushima meltdown oh okay she said the day it happened she was in the shower and uh she looked down and she saw that like this like black mud running down the drain and she looked up and there was a quote-unquote asian woman in front of her fucking the grudge yeah like all covered in black basically like black mud what the fuck and she screamed and my uncle ran in the room like what the fuck's going on she's like i just fucking saw someone in the shower with me and it was like they saw on the news later that day i guess the fukushima incident whoa like the tsunami coming in how fucked up is that yeah like kind of preemptive (sighs) sort of future foresight yeah i i had a dream about north korea and japan getting into a a like a war and i was watching people fire guns at each other like from across the like from japan into korea and vice versa huh the day that uh north korea launched the the first missile over hokkaido in the 2017 yeah 2017 18 one of the two yeah so i woke up and i saw the news and it was like north korea for i'm like oh fuck <laughs> <laughs> why did i dream that Dang. now before were you reading some like news articles about like tensions rising between the countries not that I know of, because that was when it started. That was when the tension started, basically, like before okay. Trump even came and went to North Korea. It was okay. before all that. Dang. I mean, I'm glad nothing's happened since then, but. Uh... Yeah, yeah. It was weird. It was a weird time. I remember, uh, I think abroad in Japan was making videos about it. So I think he lived in Hokkaido, maybe, or he was there at the time. I don't know. Okay. But. Yeah. What did you think about that time? Um, yeah, I really wondered if I'd be safe still living in Osaka. I was like, oh shit, mm. is, is it about to go down? Yeah. But then yeah, I thought about like if I did get bombed, would mm. it be painful? Like, would I just die immediately? But then of course, <laughs> uh, as with Hiroshima and Nagasaki, you know, some people yeah. survived and it was terrible. I've been to the museum, I've seen oh yeah, that's the flesh insane so it's like am i ready for that or should i just hope for the best and just keep living in osaka and you know yeah i think what put me at ease was my students were just like yeah whatever <laughs> yeah they're so like, never cared <laughs> like wow that's crazy anyway i'm gonna go to usj next week it's gonna be great yeah that was reassuring it was reassuring. <laughs> definitely <laughs> <The> positivity <laughs> yeah um yeah i always felt like i i would have wanted to stay there like i didn't a lot of my time there was like my family was like oh come back mark it's too dangerous and i'm like no i'm not going back to boring buffalo new york <laughs> yeah what made you come back anyway it was more it was for family um, okay i wasn't able to uh like every, every every time you come back you're back for a week and a half to maybe two weeks 
Right. And the first week is like getting used to the, the time change. And then the next week is trying to cram in everybody. So it's it's more stressful coming back. Okay. Trying to see people. So I would I, I didn't go back like my my third year. I was like, it's it's too difficult. I'm just gonna stay here and party mm-hmm. <laughs> on our uh, long longer vacation. Yeah. And then um yeah. I was in a weird period with my uh contracting, like I was independent contracting more than uh working guaranteed like year-long contracts ah okay like part-time with ecc and then the crd kind of stuff yeah actually i quit ccc part-time oh second year i I tried to go full independent contracting and i did have one um the private kindergarten that i worked at the or the preschool nice that was um my one full-time not full-time but year-long contract but it wasn't enough to pay the bills it was Mm. supplementary so i was like you know what i'm gonna i'm making this decision i'm gonna come home next year and uh i'll just like be able to see my family again and i'll decide what to do from there okay and then like my contract work started picking up it's doing great like before i left (laughs) like oh no (laughs) and the the preschool offered me a full-time job that I could have taken and made like great money and lived a nice little town. Nice. But I already committed to coming back here. So. Okay. Do you think if you wanted to move back, you could still pick up where you left off? I don't know if I'd want to in mm. a sense that I am trying to go more into like the game dev route. Right. That and if I could someday make money podcasting, that would be sweet as well yeah. really cool. i don't know uh what, what the timeline for that would be but that's like that's a goal of mine is to be more independently working and then with design too like if i did move back to japan i actually would want to go to school and study you know design there and maybe be able to get some sort of architect's license that would be dope either there oh, yeah. or here you know hmm. but yeah the, the college in japan is much much cheaper than in the u.s yeah so, absolutely if i could do that it'd be amazing and how's your japanese i know you've like been studying but mama that's me uh, <laughs> it's gotten much worse not living there and my right. my accent i noticed i went from like a de- like a pretty good natural sounding accent to the mm. american accent my accent oh. went to shit it, it was like surprising so huh. even with your girlfriend like you don't practice she lived, at all? i mean we don't get to talk all the time sometimes our because our schedules are opposite so uh we'll talk like twice a week and and text every day obviously but hmm. i i have taken studying more seriously again recently in the past few months i, I was a, a little lax um for a while but i actually contacted my my former teacher too and i'm gonna start taking lessons from him again next month nice okay yeah Sick. i've been doing uh guitar songs in japanese like mostly for the studying nice so it's, it's been okay i'm trying to get back into it so i don't completely you know <laughs> lose it yeah <laughs> that's the one thing i'm worried about is like 
you know, I've been living here. This is my sixth year. Am I just going to mm. forget all my English? And thankfully, like, mm. you know, I have friends who are, you know, giving me practice, but I feel my English kind of slipping. Like, I know how you feel. Um, I don't know if people get this, man, that haven't experienced this, but coming back here, even after three and a half years, was so difficult trying to understand people. It's like the different accents and stuff or like the talking speed. Oh yeah. I couldn't understand when people would chain words. We have the, the lessons where we chain the words together, right? Yeah. And I was like, what did you just say? You it sounded like a completely different word. And I I it took me like maybe a year to stop having that problem, I guess. Huh. It's weird, but people would look at me like, what? what do you mean you can't understand me? What? <laughs> Are you slow? What? Yeah, I felt uh. like an idiot. <laughs> but yeah. It was like when you teach English over there, you have to teach very slowly and talk slowly and uh, say simple words too. Like a majority of your students are lower level. So you're using right. more basic English. So I get that. How often do you talk to people in English I mean thankfully my girlfriend uh Mm. you know she speaks English but she's from the Philippines so sometimes uh there are things that she doesn't understand so Mm. same as you linking words when I speak really fast yeah she's like what what but uh yeah yeah I have her uh and I'll play with my friends I'll play league online or something yeah yeah. yeah I have that okay one thing I hated was the Japan has great internet, but playing with people across regions is ah, the ping. Yeah. It starts to drop off at some point. Dude, it sucks, man. I'm so I'm sorry. Sad. Dude. Yeah. <laughs> but in my defense, like even when I was living in America, I never had great ping. I always had like college dorm internet or like okay. yeah. city home internet. So I've never experienced the yeah the Mm. the 60 ping or the 30 ping dream oh dude even here like i've got decent internet now but growing up my parents had verizon and it was terrible it was so bad and Mm. i just thought that's what internet was right and then when i moved to japan it was like 100 mega megabyte upload speeds or whatever however Mm. they measure it but it was like insanely fast like you click on a page and it just instantly pops up. You're like, what? That's, yeah. that's a thing. And the internet was cheap too. It's expensive in the States. Yeah. I'm but paying the... like 50 bucks a month. You are? Yeah. Okay. I was paying about 40, I feel like. Oh, nice. For okay. uh, N, what the hell was it called? <laughs> NTT Docomo? NTT, yeah. NTT West. Well, like I know SoftBank uses an NTT device connected with it. Yeah. Were you using the Wi-Fi or were you using the Ethernet? I had an Ethernet. Connection. Okay. Huh. Yeah. yeah I don't know. Um, yeah, I didn't have the Wi-Fi, but here, so I'm paying, um, I believe it's like $60 a month now for internet. Not terrible. It's not as good as like Japan internet though. Yeah. It's not so, bad though, either way. But I guess there was a lot of like monopolization of uh, 
internet lines like cables that they would run so an area would be stuck with these shitty cables that they wouldn't have to upgrade because they had a contract for this whole area Uh, it's just like really shitty corruption (laughs) yeah so i guess that's starting to change now but and uh starlink elon musk Uh, project is gonna change that hopefully for for rural people hopefully yeah, I'd love to get Starlink in Japan too. Hopefully, Dude, I know. like up in the mountains, even like oh, you can get it in any anywhere, rural, rurally. That is. So, so I I love people that shit on Musk and, and hate him, but he's like doing all these things to change the world for the better. It makes me wonder though, like, Damn. yeah, he says he just wants to go to Mars, but like, does he have an agenda? Like, does he want to just like? make everyone bow to him you know erect yeah. statues in their living room no one can go back he's like the god of mars <laughs> yeah <laughs> he's like the guy from uh total recall that like i don't know was like hoarding the oxygen <laughs> yeah. i don't know did you bow to musk today no get back there yeah yeah i don't know i feel like that that could be the case but also I just trust him more because he's more into like the meme internet culture. Mm. He seems more human than like a Bezos or a, a Mark Zuckerberg. Yeah. Or Bill Gates. Then, like they all kind of are very like up in the cloudsy type. But Musk seems like a like a very much an idealist. Like, oh, this would yeah. be the ideal situation. But you know, reality doesn't always work like that. Like there are a lot of shit people. So even though he has a lot of really good ideas, like in implementation would probably fuck a lot of them up. Maybe. Like the, the Neuralink thing. Yeah. Mm. It'd be cool to have like an AI chip, but also if someone hacks into that chip and we come yeah. like, yeah, that ghost in the shell situation, we're fucked. So. Yeah. I don't know if that's a good, a good use case for it. I don't know. I like the helping mental illness use case of, of that, but definitely. I don't know how far it would go in terms of like turning into cyberpunk 2077 with like yeah. too many augmentations. <laughs> but yeah, I don't know. We'll see, I guess. The future is going to be really interesting, uh, especially with VR too. Yeah. Like if they can somehow simulate uh, just like simu- stimulation, like smells, touch sounds and stuff like that and like i could eat a virtual cake and feel yeah you know we're making the matrix basically why would you ever come out of that why would you ever and how would you know even to come out of it right hopefully we don't go that that route like the matrix route because like it would totally end up like the south park episode of the world of warcraft like everyone would just like sitting in their matrix pods (laughs) or whatever it's like Yeah, I don't know. Hopefully, hopefully we've made enough like dystopian uh, future technocrat movies where we kind of avoid that. But even though we've made so many, we're still like going in those directions. Like, you yeah. know, iRobot. You know. Yeah, it's not guaranteed that we make it out of it. I guess. Yeah. Remember Maybe. when it was all zombie movies for a while? Right? It was, like, apocalyptic zombie. World War Z it was a fun movie. Yeah. But then it, at some point it changed to like the dark future technology. I think it kind of cycles. Themes. Yeah, maybe. 
Because, like, in the 80s, they have a lot of, like, dark future kind of stuff, Yeah, too. yeah, yeah. So it's, like, whatever's trendy at the time. And, like, they're making a new Resident Evil movie, like, rebooting it. But they're mixing, okay. like, the second and third game. And okay. I guess that's coming out this month. Oh, sweet. I did not know about that. Yeah. I think zombies are coming back. <laughs> I think so, maybe, yeah. Hey. <laughs> Especially mm. with Corona. Like, I'm surprised there yeah. aren't more zombie movies with Corona. Someone posted a meme about that the other day where it was like the people that haven't gotten Corona yet. And it was like the the cast of Left or um what was it? The uh, Walking, Walking Dead. Dead? Yeah. Also the, the Left for Dead. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, have you seen uh Kingdom? I believe so. It's a Korean. Uh, like a medieval kind of drama, but it's about okay. zombies. I heard of it. I've seen it on Netflix, but that was pretty fun. Okay, didn't didn't watch it. Yeah, like I'm not usually a Korean drama kind of fan, but like I like zombies, so I was like, let's give it a chance. And yeah, had some really cool action, really good character development. Yeah, yeah. To go back and watch it, I liked um, Squid Game. I mean, it's it's kind of yeah. old now, but was that big in Japan? Yeah, oh yeah. Uh, yeah. Some of my like <laughs> elementary school kids even watched. Oh no! It. I'm what? like, what the heck, dude? <laughs> they straight up fuck in that show. Like, what's going on? Kids? Oh yeah. Why are you? Why are you watching this? Are their parents around? <laughs> right. I don't know. Huh. Okay. There's always like the the little boy at the convenience store that's looking at the the nudie mags. Yeah. He's trying to hide it. It's like the kid like that that would watch <laughs> Squid Game. Yeah. Maybe. God. Yeah, what did what did people think about it or or they or thought about? it was really interesting. They thought the games were fun. Okay, like oh, some God. of them wanted to try doing the Squid Game uh, without the without getting your the, head yeah. blown up. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but like the you know the the draw the sand squid circle zone whatever okay and they, yeah tried to play the korean squid game so that was kind of cool that's cool yeah well, yeah or they would do the the, yeah. the f- slam the thing on the floor and see if it's like heads or tails kind of game okay like try to flip the other thing other dudes thing over so that was yeah cool. yeah i mean it's probably gonna be a tv like a uh, comedy tv show at some point right probably where they recreate it <laughs> Yeah, some sort of variety show. You ever watch uh, Gaki no Tsukai? I don't believe so, but... Gaki no Tsukai is... Mm. uh, Usually they have like a New Year's special, but uh, some people call it the can't laugh show. Oh. And basically they'll like fuck around with each other. And uh, if you laugh, you get slapped in the ass like really hard by like a man or whatever. Yeah, I've seen clips of this on, on the interweb. I believe they did an American kind of offshoot of that where it, it took place in a library. Ah, uh, yeah. Was to, like, to be quiet and not laugh, but... The, Silent the, library or something. Dude, yeah. The Japanese version was so much more effed up. Yeah. And that they would like hit the person, like beat them up and they couldn't laugh. Yeah. <laughs> or some like really messed up thing. I don't know. One of these episodes, I remember uh, they were in a hospital 
Okay. And uh, they made all the guys wear like your nurses' uniforms, so you could like see their hairy legs and stuff coming out of the skirts. <laughs> Pretty funny. <laughs> oh. And then they made them go into uh, what was it MRI room? Okay. And so they would lay down on the machine. It would take them into the the machine, mm-hmm. and then once they're in the machine, they see like an old like butch ass lady, and like okay. the platform would raise them up. And Ooh. like she would fucking just kiss them straight Ooh. on the lips, and they'd be like, "No, no, no!" It's so funny. Trying to watch people not laugh is fucking hilarious. Yeah. For whatever reason. A lot of creativity in those shows. God, yeah, that's brilliant, man. Uh, Japanese humor is something that took me a long time to kind of understand. Like I would try to make jokes to my my Japanese friends, but it was like an American style, like sarcastic, whatever, and they would never get it. Uh, like what? It would, <laughs> you know, look look at me weird. Yeah. And I realized, oh, it's about like manzai and kind of slap more slapstick humor, maybe. Yeah, or just like being really goofy and over the top. Yeah. Just like looking really dumb. Yeah. I appreciate the different kind of a comedy style mm. like all over the world, you know. It's it's fun to like point be able to point that out with the with like different cultures, I guess. What is American comedy? Yeah, um I mean definitely a lot of storytelling. Uh like if you look at the Dave Chappelle or you know mm. even more um like George Carlin or was yeah. it more like crude humor uh what's his name uh anyway louis ck yeah 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 you know they always tell stories you're that's a good point yeah a lot of those guys have like more political commentary too even or societal commentary yeah it's always social commentary yeah 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 but then a little Mm. bit exaggerated so like obviously that didn't actually happen but like the way it's presented is yeah yeah, okay. That's cool. I don't I never really went to like stand-up bars in the States, but okay. I remember you mentioning uh and I think in the first podcast that you've mm. been going to a lot of bars and stuff. What have you noticed? We went to one in in Buffalo. It was like a open mic comedy. Okay. Bar? It was kind of cool that that even exists and anyone could just go up and talk for five minutes and try to be funny, I guess was the point of it. <laughs> but, I mean, it was mostly people trying to be comics, I guess, like they would have their notebook and have their stories. Mm. But I feel like a, a lot of the, the less funny people were like self, very self deprecating really kind of comedy style. Okay. Where it might be along the lines of, oh, I've, I suck. Today I, I, you know, did something really dumb and it, it wasn't funny as much as just kind of sad. Sad, I guess. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't know. I think comedy is harder than it looks. Probably. Oh, absolutely. It was still fun too. People would give them props and and whatnot. But nice. that's good. At least supportive. Yeah. Austin was pretty wild in terms of the, the music scene. Mm. Every bar had a live band playing. 
Nice. And it was like you don't pay to get in, you just walk in. <laughs> so that was that was different. Um I feel like Osaka is just all about the food. You yeah. come in, get your goodies, get your goodies on. I don't know. <laughs> even if like a lot of the bars have the same kind of food, it's still nice to see like each individual bar's take on that same dish. Like they'll garnish yeah. it differently or something. One thing that kind of depresses me about being back here is that American food is basically all the same. It's like, uh, it's good, but it's, it's kind of the same thing on every menu. It's like the Reuben sandwich, the Buffalo chicken, the, the French fries. I don't know. The, the occasionally you get a fish fry, uh, a lot of fried yeah. stuff. And it, there's like no variety. It's like, that's the American fare, the hamburger. Uh, so to be fair, at least those things are good, but for sure I would, especially going to a different bar, I want to try something new. I don't want just yeah. a different environment and people. I want like food too. Yeah. I was like the a la carte too in Japan where you just get whatever you want. Yeah. And in America, you got to get the, the big dish. You got to take it home because you can't finish it. <laughs> uh, yeah. yeah. I, I asked for a to-go bag one time in, a, in Ipudo ramen. Mm-hmm. And they gave me like a plastic bag, like a grocery store plastic bag. They were like, oh, okay, <laughs> I guess we'll give you a take-home bag. <laughs> yeah, like, uh, was like, anybody got a bag? Shit. Yeah, the, the concept of like the doggy bag, the take-home to eat later, doesn't exist there apparently. It'd <laughs> be hilarious if like in the back they're like, shit, he wants a bag. Oh, fucking Yuta, go, go to convenience right next door, <laughs> yeah. just get one. Ask for one for our customer. <laughs> What's your favorite kind of uh, like bar or or food to go get? Um, you know, if it's something just like small and casual, I'm just a burger guy. Did you ever yep. go to the Kua Aina burger? The yeah, burger in place? the mall. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I love Kua Aina. Just nice. I love the burgers. They have guava juice and just their fries. It's really nice. It's not yeah. too greasy, but it's still like crispy, and they give you plenty of ketchup and stuff. So I like that place. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. Dude, recently, have you ever been? To, oh, I'm oh, sorry. Yeah. No, no, go for it. Uh, have you ever been to the uh, Shake Shack? Oh yeah, Shake Shack. I went one in Umeda. Okay. And I mean, it's good, but it's way too pricey for me. I don't like, blame you. Not even that good. Dude, I I thought that was the best burger I'd ever had. I went to the one in uh, Tenoji, I believe. Not not Tenoji. Um, the station right above Namba. It's escaping me right now. Oh, Shinsaibashi. Not Shinsaibashi. The other Shinsaibashi. No, go down, down. Oh, uh, shopping, rich girl area, kind of. Ibisu. No. Ibisu. On the Midosu yeah. line. <laughs> Well, there's uh, Dobutsu and Mae, which okay. is by Shinsekai, and then it goes to Namba. Tenoji, Dobutsu and Mae. Or am I thinking of the time? Anyway. Yeah, well, I don't I know. It was on anyway. Google Maps. Can you find it? Shinsabashi. Yeah. It was the, the Shinsabashi uh, Shake Shack okay yeah oh my god dude, i thought that was the best burger it was a good burger but it's small yeah i don't know what they did to mine 
<laughs> have you tr- there's a lot of uh local burger places too recently like Terabacho, they have richard burger and it's not mm. by japanese people okay. only like a bunch of foreigners have started mm. to make their shops which is cool. really cool yeah 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 awesome shit now on burgers yeah i'm sorry man well yeah, you That's got your whole day ahead of you yeah at nighttime <laughs> yeah we had yakiniku last night and it was so amazing like nice. i could legit eat yakiniku every day yeah and just not get sick of it but i would just get super fat if i did but it's oh, also yeah. too expensive that was one of the things i had to get used to like i can only eat the the meat in yakiniku but i can never eat the horumo for a while oh really yeah it's, it was just very different i i would eat it but it took me a long time to kind of enjoy it uh, I don't even like know if I enjoy it right now. I'm like fatty. <laughs> yeah, you can never. The fact that you couldn't chew it always like bothered me. Mm, yeah, I'm not a huge fan myself. Mm. I just prefer the good old, you know, dude. The, yeah, beef. yeah. The the beef, like the regular meat, is so good in yakiniku. Mm. But it's actually been like a kind of a a lot of ramen shops opening up in the states really nice as of the past few years i know like so the the west coast to my understanding has always kind of had more more japanese food mm, yeah but so in uh in seattle and in washington did you ever like was there ever a lack of japanese food that you found um no? i mean there's always been like sushi um okay like ramen a couple of ramen shops in like the chinatown yeah, but not so much like like tempura or skiaki that kind of stuff. Mm, that said, yeah. there my mom, you know, Japanese, she's Japanese, so she had Japanese friends. So okay. we knew of a couple of like authentic Japanese restaurants. Yeah, yeah. I've never seen like takoyaki, okonomiyaki, like the kind of street mm, food. Yeah, yeah. There is actually a place that opened in Buffalo oh. that I've been going to habitually because they they do it's a family from fukui i think oh nice and uh the very small japanese community in buffalo is like they're open up restaurants here hell yeah um and uh so they do ramen takoyaki okonomiyaki at their one location i'm like i'm so happy that they exist that they're here i feel so blessed (laughs) i would like if I ever moved back to the States, one thing I considered doing was doing a restaurant, um, just yeah. introducing more like small things, even, you know, like donburi. Like I've never seen a donburi shop, just oyakodon, you know, yeah. gyudon, that kind of stuff. That would yeah. be so simple, be relatively easy to pull off. And yeah, yeah. like people would love it. Americans love meat. So oh, like, I know. They actually do that. At, so shout out to Sato Ramen in Buffalo, but they do the donburi as well and curry hell yeah and yeah it's like they're the only restaurant though in basically the entire city that does authentic japanese there might be a couple more but a lot of them tend to be like a maybe a chinese restaurant that markets as a japanese Ah. but it's like chinese food or there's like the mall sarku japan kind of like restaurant where you get like the the teriyaki chicken or whatever yeah broccoli yeah. The General South chicken they always have. Yeah. <laughs> Your giveaway. <laughs> Quote unquote authentic. Yeah. 
I think the, the one time I came back to the States, I was in Cali, like passing through LAX. Mm. And I got a ramen, a bowl of ramen there. But it was like a, it was just, it was like a Chinese style ramen. Ah, I was so disappointed. I was like, I thought it would be more like thick broth and everything. <laughs> Damn it. Damn it, Callie. Come on. And then I'm like, I'm slurping my noodles. And this, this lady next to me just gets up and walks away. <laughs> <laughs> She's like, offended. Why is this fucking MF her like eating so loud? <laughs> you know, that never, it, it always, I grew up slurping as a kid. So okay, like, there you it, go. It bugs me actually when I see people like eating their ramen like quietly, Timidly. like <laughs> trying to chew it and stuff. I'm like, what the fuck, dude? Just it's faster to slurp it. You get the wrap it up like spaghetti. <laughs> yeah, it's like, what are you doing, bro? Just, just slurp yeah. it. I can't go back, dude. I, I eat spaghetti like that though. Nice. Like I'm converted. I feel like such an outcast. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's, that's what else. It makes you more unique, I guess. Dude, I would bring chopsticks to my grandma's and like my first few months back and like eat spaghetti like that because that's how <laughs> my buddy would make it you know did she just look horrified she's like what have they done to you uh yeah people were like oh that's weird i think mark is a little different guys <laughs> it's interesting that you like go out of your way to eat chopsticks with a lot of things like i can use chopsticks mm. and like when i go to restaurants i of course use it but like I still gravitate toward the fork and spoon. Oh yeah, yeah. I don't know if it's like a maybe it's like a weird mental thing I have where I'm like trying to hold on to my my memory of Japan. Or something. Uh, maybe, <laughs> yeah. Maybe more power to you. I noticed that it's also kind of like a style and how you prepare food. Like with American food, you stab it, cut it, eat it, mm. and that lends itself to the fork and knife. But with Japanese food, you cut, you pre-cut everything right and then that lends itself more to the chopsticks where you can pick it up separately mm, that's so, true it was like if i cook for myself i i'm like okay am i gonna chop it up am i gonna chop up my steak before i put it on the plate or so that's a good point yeah <laughs> but i don't know with eating rice though like sure mm. i could eat rice with chopsticks but for me it's still a million times faster to just get a spoon just like get some of the meat and then get yeah. some of the rice and just spoon that shit yeah i like both man that put the meat on the rice on the spoon and you're like assisting with both mm-hmm. tag team it yeah it, it depends on the bowl too like if i'm mm-hmm. picking up that plate and shoveling it in my mouth like goku style or yeah <laughs> try to be polite <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, it depends do you think you'll ever uh, visit japan anytime soon i'd like to but it's the the border has been right basically closed to uh-huh. it's closed right now to everybody i believe but it was closed to um people without a a visa like a other than a travel visa it was closed to travel visas for the past few years okay so for sure uh next time you're in town let's get some like food Just, i'd like, love to man yeah that'd be great i'll be contacting people when i am able to come back hell yeah and um it might be in the next few months if i if they open up the border to americans tight okay yeah my my girlfriend who's also officially but unofficially my fiance Ooh. is is coming back to the, the states oh yeah and we've been going through the the visa process nice hey congrats man yeah thank you the the process itself is really difficult 
<laughs> and uh, long and arduous, but um, so, so the plan is if before she comes back here, we won't be able to leave until the process is finished and getting mm. her permanent residence, which would maybe take another year. Okay. So if I can come back to Japan before then, that would be like the only time within a year that I could come back. Nice. So we'll see. Yeah. Yeah. That's going to be so cool. Yeah, man. Hey, you want to wrap it up? Um, sure. Yeah. Dude, it was a good talk. Hell yeah. Thanks for uh, talking. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Is there anything you want to shout out? Um, yeah. I mean, if anyone's interested in, you know, seeing some Japanese like lifestyle, um, you know, feel free to go on my Instagram. I try to post like recently trying to walk around the neighborhoods. I do a lot of running. So if you want to see like Japanese architecture building and stuff, you know, living my way is my Instagram. Yeah. Other than that, sweet. Like, don't be a weeb. Just go out there and like <laughs> experience life. Weebs are going to hate the show because, like, you're the second <laughs> person that was <laughs> like anti weeb. I mean, I love anime as much as the next folk, but uh, it's not reality. You got to, you got to see the real stuff, man. Yeah, man. Can I put your, uh, can I put your, uh, like anything on the on the show description that people can like go to it yeah um you know anything's cool my instagram handle is probably the best one okay update that okay sweet it's living living my way living my way okay did you spell my differently too by the way yeah uh yeah how how do you spell it yeah i just typed you got sweet okay yeah, I'll put it in the ep- in the episode description. Sweet, so, thanks, man. Yeah, dude, I've got um, so I've got two official listeners right now on the show. Hey, There's, what's up, dudes? Right, this is my not not here, not live now, but um, it's like in the in the in the data that you could see like the show statistics. Ah, nice. There's my girlfriend, and there's oh, yeah. <laughs> someone from the Netherlands or Norway. I'm sorry if I forgot where, but it's like a completely random like what okay that's so cool but yeah yeah it was cool to see that but um i basically like my goal with this this year is to uh try to expand it and advertise it and hopefully people more people will come on and listen so it's not it's not a huge audience right now there's no there's no money that it's not bringing in money or anything but right in the future maybe gotta keep doing it and you know eventually come together yeah, and some like the purpose of having people on would also like the Joe Rogan thing would be like to shout people out too. Yeah. Kind of help build like the the mutual audiences and stuff. For so, sure. Yeah. If you ever need more guests and stuff, I can you know, ask some people if they are interested in like hanging out and you know talking to you. I'm open to talking to like even strangers or anybody, dude. So if you've um if you've got anybody that would want to come on, it'd be really cool. Yeah. Oh <laughs> yeah, man yeah dude um i'll uh i'll talk to you at some point soon i'll uh i'll keep you updated on like our, our game dev kind of mutual hobby here so yes please yeah uh yeah. if you ever needed help just let me know thank you man i'll be looking forward to actually your your music someday <laughs> whatever i get a, like a game that's yeah. ready to like be released at some point <laughs> and whenever i get my ass to finally composing yeah hey. it'll, it'll yeah, happen. yeah if you haven't found it yet or if you haven't seen this yet, there's a really good indie game 
website called itch.io. Itch.io. Okay. And oh shit. Yeah. So just for exploring indie games, like a lot of people will put them up for free with a um a donation model, like donate to me if you support the game. Oh nice. Which is cool because you can play it for free and if you like it, you can donate. And then it gives people like feedback too. So yeah. Really yeah, good check that out, man. Together. Thank you. Yeah, 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 yeah. So good luck with everything, dude. Yeah, likewise. We talk uh, to you soon. You. Yeah, talk to you later. Have a good one. Yeah, thank you, man. Have a have a good day, and uh, I'll I'll shoot you a text. <laughs> Sounds good. Peace All out, right. buddy. Peace out, brother. Bye bye.